1: plus recorded live
2: and if need be you can throw it down as an ace on the table and, uh, you know an ace up your sleeve throw it down on the table to prove that someone is a papal agent uh, Corporal Lisa had two topics in this excellent email the second topic is going to lead to a an expose by Johnny. And Flying Monkey Squad Corporal Lisa will get a mention there, too, because she put me onto this. When I first came to Christ, I had deference and respect for the people whose apparent ministries were to... Keep straight Christian doctrine to expose supposed false teachers, people like John Ankerberg and Hank Hanegraaff, and I have now seen that both are papal agents. Ankerberg, real big. On Jesuit doctrines, dispensationalism, pre tribulation rapture, so on and so forth. Definitely a papal agent. But Hanegraaff and his Christian research institute that he took over from Walter Martin, wow. Straight out attacks. Dave Hunt, and Dave's excellent book, A Woman Rides the Beast, and also attacks Jack Chick Publications. Corporal Lisa sent me a link to a program from February 15, 2013, a a radio program that old Hank did, and it is sickening.
3: And we will go right back to the phone lines, talk next to Tom. He's listening in Seattle, Washington, on KCMM. Hi, Tom.
4: Oh, cool. Yeah, I was wondering, I have this book called The Women Rights of the Beast, and it's Dave Hunt's book on the Book of Revelations,
5: talking about the end times when the Catholic religion is on the earth. What do you think about that book? Well, it
3: is just a a horrible book. I can't imagine a worse book being read by someone that names the sacred name of Jesus Christ. It is an ad hominem attack against the Roman Catholic Church and whatever else you might want to say about the Roman Catholic Church. You need to say what you say correctly and truthfully. There's no place in the Christian world for ad hominem attacks that are false. And unfortunately, in an age in which Internet lies travel halfway around the world before truth has had the chance to put its boots on, these kinds of attacks are all too prevalent. For example, he talks about the Roman Catholic Church being drunk on the blood of the saints and even blames the Roman Catholic Church for the Nazi Holocaust and says that Christian Rome slaughtered many more saints than pagan Rome did, which of course is definitively wrong
2: from a historical perspective. Can't imagine anyone reading a worse but what? Ad hominem. Ad, ad, Ad hominem is a baseless personal attack. We're talking about an entity, not a person. When you give names, places, and dates, verifiable facts, that's not ad hominem. You know, I have my very well-worn copy of this excellent book. Flip open to any <laughs> my paper clips and highlights and so many fantastic uh, references. Uh, Salvation for Sale, page 185. The Roman Catholic Church has been in the business of selling salvation to the naive with much of her great wealth accumulated from that source. She does this in the name of Christ, who offers salvation as a free gift, exclamation point. He told his disciples, freely have you received, freely give, Matthew ten eight. There could be no greater abomination than selling salvation, yet Rome has never repented of this evil, but continues similar practices to this day. Under... Leo X, 1513 to 1521, who cursed and excommunicated Martin Luther, specific prices were published by the Roman chancery to be paid to the church for absolution from each imaginable crime. Even murder had its price. For example, a deacon guilty of murder could be absolved for 20 crowns. The, quote, anointed malefactors, end quote, as they were called, once pardoned in this way by the church, could not be prosecuted by civil authorities. Leo's sale of salvation was nothing new. Two hundred years earlier, John the twenty second, thirteen sixteen to thirteen thirty four, had done the same, setting a price for every crime from murder to incest to sodomy. The more Catholics sinned, the richer the church became. Similar fundraising schemes have been in operation for years. And Dave goes on to give specifics, names, places, and dates. Now I was listening to another great Walter. Veith teaching, and if you don't know who Walter Veith is, his last name is pronounced Veith, but it's spelled V-E-I-T-H. He is a lovable little Seventh-day Adventist that we absolutely adore. He gets a little carried away with some of the Seventh-day Adventist teachings, but we forgive him for it because he just puts out some great information Clearly loves the Lord. Maybe a little misguided in some things, but aren't we all? And I think this was the, uh, I think it was his teaching on the environment, the the, the beamable something. Well, this is how you search the Internet. Use unique keywords. Go to uboob.com. Amazing discoveries, Walter Veit, Beamable, and you'll come up with this teaching. I I think this is part of the the, the teaching, partly covered how Rome has battled for the heart and soul of of Protestant England. England responded so wonderfully well to the Reformation. Right up to the very top, battle back and forth. Uh, Elizabeth for the Protestants, Bloody Mary for the Papists. And uh, even at that fat turd, Henry VIII, uh, who was out for no one but himself, weakened the papacy by his little PP issues and his inability to have a, a son, his desire to get divorced and remarried to a woman that could carry on his incredibly important
0: genetic line. Took the Church of England away from the papacy and became his own pope.
2: Great, great teaching, and it reminded me of this quote that Dave has in his book: The Vatican has consistently fought every democratic advance from absolute monarchies toward government by the people, beginning with England's Magna Carta, June 15, 1215. The mother, the quote, mother of European constitutions, end quote. The vital document was denounced immediately by Innocent III, 1198 to 1216, who, quote, pronounced it null and void and excommunicated the English barons who obtained it, end quote, footnote, and absolved the king to his oath to the barons, end note. Encouraged by the Pope, King John brought in foreign mercenaries to fight the barons, bringing great destruction upon the country. Subsequent popes did all in their power to help John's successor, Henry III, overturn the Magna Carta and the country, impoverishing the country with papal taxes. Salaries to numerous imported Italian priests were three times the crown's annual revenue. Clearly, this is an ad hominem attack, right, Hank?
3: For example, he talks about the Roman Catholic Church being drunk on the blood of the saints and even blames the Roman Catholic Church for the Nazi Holocaust and says that Christian Rome slaughtered many more saints than pagan Rome did, which, of course, is definitively wrong from a historical perspective.
2: Definitively wrong from a historical perspective? You son of a b- You mouthpiece of Satan himself. The thousands upon thousands of good Christians hideously tortured by the papacy fill the pages of Fox's book of martyrs will be your judge. You, you worm, you worm how you could, Be so powerfully used that you don't fear the wrath of Christ Jesus. To be so powerfully used by Satan himself, the whore of Babylon, the dragon, the whore literally drunk on the blood of the saints, and you deny it. This is just the tip of the pyramid, the tip of the iceberg. I was sickened to hear this and apparently this mouthpiece of Satan has done it frequently loves the catholic church
3: so the book is full of ad hominem attacks that are simply wrong-headed thinking in reality all you have to do is read the book of revelation properly to recognize that what is being said by Dave Hunt has no basis whatsoever in reality because in biblical history only one nation is inextricably linked to the moniker harlot and that nation is israel anyone who has read the bible even once has flashbacks to the graphic images of apostate israel when they first encountered the great prostitute of revelation
2: how about how about that the whore of babylon is israel does that even make the slightest bit of sense what this stupidity you you had this aura of well researched educated answers coming from the bible answer man when you have something that's so ludicrous being put forth what it does is exposes him as a direct agent of the papacy when you try to twist Scripture, you, scu- you the flames that are going to rise from your soul, you b- to so contort the Word of God to give cover to the very beast, the whore that devours the saints. So I think the way
3: in which he has taken the Bible and wrenched it out of its historical context to make these ad hominem attacks against the Roman Catholic Church
2: is deplorable. Yes, and black is white and white is black. Dark is light and light is dark. You literal mouthpiece of Satan. Yeah, well, I was going to
4: Open Door Baptist Church up in Linwood and I go going there. And there's this guy called Eubanks, and he's been putting uh, Jack Chick books in the Vatican. And
5: he uh, he said, uh, if you read Revelation chapter 17, it describes the mystery Babylon. He says, that's the Roman church. Is that true?
3: Well, again, I just answered the question, but whether it's Dave Hunt or Jack Chick, great examples of people who are simply spreading falsehoods that have no basis whatsoever in reality. And I think this is not only a tragic misreading of the Word of God, but it is deplorable in terms of Christian conduct and ethics.
2: Now get petulant because he asked a follow-up question about how ludicrous your, your rationale was. Uh, actually, that's a sign of someone being a shill, someone who's not confident and what they're shoveling. If you
3: look at Jack Chick in general, he wants to blame the Roman Catholic Church for just about all the problems of the world, past, present, even future. And he thinks the Roman Catholic Church is the mastermind behind Lincoln's assassination, the Ku Klux Klan, World War I, the mafia, international banking, communism, Nazism, the Vietnam War, and it goes on and on, even the New Age movement and the cults. This is lack of discernment, poor scholarship, and has no place in the Christian ethic. Yeah,
2: wow. I challenge you. You won't, you, you won't have the temerity to ever touch me in a, in a debate, you papal scum. And I promise, this is my show, so I'm loose with my language. I am the consummate professional in any other venue. I will not come on your show. I will not give you the ability to edit me or control me. But I will debate you in a heartbeat, you papal scum. Where to start? on the the factual legitimacy that the Nazi party, the Third Reich created, the the, the papal nuncio to Germany (laughs) that made it happen, became pope during World War II, Eugenio Pacelli, Jesuit Bernard Stample wrote Mein Kampf, Nazi intelligence operative Major General Reinhard Gellin was a Catholic and a Knight of Malta. He was recruited to come uh, basically build the intelligence agencies of this nation under the guise of siding with fascism over communism, the Hegelian dialectic that came straight from Rome. Catholic aristocrat Franz von Papen bankrolled the Third Reich. Without him it wouldn't have been possible. Jesuit Pierre Teilhard de Chardin expert Darwinian hoaxer the man behind the the Peking and Piltdown hoaxes is acknowledged by secular sources as the father of the New Age movement. Him and his omega-point psychobabble. The papacy was so clearly behind the assassination of Abraham Lincoln and the Civil War that people, furious over the connections of the Catholic Surratt family directly to Rome, John Wilkes Booth, Catholic Freemason John Wilkes Booth, hatched his plot with his friend John Surratt in Mary Surratt's boarding home. She was such a good Catholic, she absolutely refused to allow anyone who wasn't a Catholic to be a boarder. After the assassination, Surratt escaped the country with the help of priests, and he was disguised as a priest. In the wake, good American citizens were so furious at the bloody papal fingerprints, they forced the papal puppet scum in Washington, demonically controlled, to break ties with the sovereign city-state of the Vatican. And the ambassador was forced to come home until he was sent back 120 years later by high people agent Ronald Wilson Reagan with Freemason spawn, Billy Graham whispering in his ear.
3: So we should never, as Christians, buy into conspiracy theories, buy into falsehoods. This is not part of the Christian ethic. And it is what, in the end, not only marginalizes Christians, but ends up dragging Christ's name through the mud as well.
2: Let us never tolerate outrageous conspiracy theories concerning the attacks of September the 11th, malicious lies that attempt to shift the blame away from the terrorists themselves, away from the guilty. To defeat
1: ISIS and organizations like it, we must defeat this ideology in all its forms. As evidence emerges about the backgrounds of those convicted of terrorist offenses, it is clear that many of them were initially influenced by preachers who claim not to encourage violence, but whose worldview can be used as a justification for it. We know this worldview, the peddling of lies, that 9-11 was somehow a Jewish plot, or that the 7-7 London attacks were staged. The idea that Muslims are persecuted all over the world as a deliberate act of Western policy the concept of an inevitable clash of civilizations. We must be clear, to defeat the ideology of extremism, we need to deal with all forms of extremism, not just violent extremism. Of course, some will argue that this is not compatible with free speech and intellectual inquiry. But I ask you, would we sit back and allow right-wing extremists Nazis or Ku Klux Klansmen to recruit on our university campuses? No. So we shouldn't stand by and just allow any form of non-violent extremism. (laughs) Denn als unsere Partei gerade sieben Mann hoch war, sprach sie schon zwei Gründe aus. Erstens, sie wollte eine wahrhaftige Weltanschauungspartei sein. Und zweitens, sie wollte der
2: yeah, so we know who doesn't want to tolerate conspiracy theories. I'll play one more clip from you. From the show, back in
4: 2013,
2: even our commercials are filled with papist pap. I'll play the clip and then I'll explain it to you.
4: Director Peter
3: Jackson is making not one, but three films based on The Hobbit, J.R.R. Tolkien's classic prequel to The Lord of the Rings. If, as Tolkien's son Christopher accuses Jackson is commercializing the story, that would reek with irony, because The Hobbit is above all a story about greed and the overcoming of greed. The current issue of the Christian Research Journal reveals the Christian epic at the heart of The Hobbit. Start your subscription today when you call 888-7000-CRI or go online to equip.org. Don't change the station. The Bible Answer Man broadcast will be right back.
2: That's your big warning to Christians that Peter Jackson is not staying true to the Lord of the Rings warning against greed? Are you kidding me? Yeah, you know, honestly, the whole issue, the stories, they're good stories, they're entertaining, I i, I read them, I didn't read a lot of uh, of um, fantasy-type books as a kid, but I did read The Lord of the Rings he absolutely de- just uh, devoured it as a kid, went back to it several times. But it, it, is it that exemplary as far as fantasies go? It has a somewhat of a Christian basis to it, but has Tolkien been given help? Look up the faith of John Ronald Reuel Tolkien. But don't look to lick my PDF for it because normally where you have the side section that summarizes everything, including religion, for some reason, it's absent. John Ronald Reuel was a good little Catholic boy. And as the flames will eventually rise up from Hank Hanegraaff and his Christian Research Institute, I will piss on them. Spider
1: Man! This is why only fools are heroes. Because you never know when some lunatic will come along with a
6: sadistic choice.
5: All right, that was Johnny, that was our friend, colleague colleague in the Lord, Johnny's last show, and I thought that little segment right there was some excellent information, and it certainly exposed some of the giant hypocrisy that's going on in Christendom today, and how Rome is certainly taking over. Once again, this is Michael Adams, nothing but the truth will answer, you find it, and it is. On January the 3rd, 2016. And, um, Andrew, thank you for joining me again, and thank you for the information. I s- would certainly love to hear from uh, uh, folks who knew. I know you know some folks from uh, related to Alberto Rivera, the wife or whatever. And I sure would like to hear his side of things. So if you ever get a chance to connect me or give me an an email or something like that, please do that. So I think that would be a very important interview, especially at this time. By the way, the the, uh, video that uh, Johnny was talking early in the very beginning from Walter Feast is called the Beamable Sustainable Princes, the rekindling of the Reformation. And you can find that... Just looking up, once again, like I said, beamable, sustainable, princess. Beamable, sustainable is for you now. Good job, Johnny. Johnny is uh, hard uh, at work, slaving away. Menial day job, uh, trying to make ends meet, so he's he's slowed down a little bit. So say your prayers for him, and... um, help him in his journey and the uh, ask God and help him in his journey to become closer to him, do that for me as well. Looks like uh, potential that Zen Garcia might join us on the show tonight. He just uh, Skyped me and said he would, so maybe we'll talk more about the flat earth and the connection with the um, the old Lunar Sabbath, by the way, today would be Lunar Sabbath, so <laughs> First word. Uh, that was interesting a lot of show Friday with uh, Chris Lucas you know, learned a lot from that hey Johnny's there and Johnny
0: maybe Johnny's doing a show himself doing a recording himself Let's see, contacts.
5: Yeah. Let's see, maybe he can join he maybe Johnny will join us. Maybe we'll have a, a little what you doing, Johnny?
0: What are you doing, Johnny?
5: Can you join me on show for a bit? Join me on show for a bit? A bit. Who knows? Interesting. You never know what's going to happen on this show. It's certainly turning into something interesting and very unique. And just to think, so few people follow, like, just few people, like, my uh, faithful uh, friend, uh, Andrew. Um. Yeah, we're going to get into this uh, reading here. I don't know if we're going to do it, uh, but this is once again this is from this guy. He goes by the pseudonym of uh, Simon. <laughs> now, a lot of people don't want to would, would not want to touch this this man's work, and especially because he's not he's not one of us. He's not a Christian, obviously. But he is uh, a practitioner of the, of the dark arts. It says here Simon was a student of magic occultism and religion since the mid nineteen sixties and editor of necro uh, necro no icon
4: uh, and um
0: okay <clears throat> Okay, just played part of your your last show
4: exposing um false
0: teachers. People pump it. About, I don't know, how long was this?
4: 20 bucks. I don't know, about
5: a, well, oh, I've been doing this for a while now, haven't I?
4: <laughs> hmm.
5: i would say, we say about 15 minutes.
0: Segment. We'll be popping
5: by. I spell popping, popping by in about half an hour. Half an hour. Sorry about this and uh, anybody else.
6: Guys,
0: uh, what is this? surprise visits. Just thought. If you could join
4: us. If you could join. Join us if you could
5: join us Join us anyways, uh yeah, well it sounds like he says here uh, he didn't uh like i don't use I use Skype for timely correspondence I am only on for scheduled interviews, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know what to say, Johnny. Except that uh, hopefully it's not just business. While you're talking to me, hopefully you're a friend in Christ. But anyways, um, it, back to this. we are talking about this author, Simon. So he's this student of the magic, occultism, uh, religion, since in the mid '60s. Editor of Necronomicon. Uh, he spoke on topics as diverse as religion and politics, occultism and fascism, ceremonial magic, uh, demonology tree, the tarot, the Kabbalah, Asia, occult systems. He was freaking and at the framed warlock shop in Brooklyn and the magical child bookstore in Manhattan for undisclosed reasons. His whereabouts have been unknown since 1984. Anyways, we've been reading about this book. It's called Papal Magic and Occult Practices in the Catholic Church. And I think this is a very important topic that doesn't get addressed very much. And the fact that um, it has been, you know, the, the biggest propon- or supporters and promoters of this stuff, magic, turns out to be um,
0: Rome. Cool. Have a good one. you, my brother
5: of Christ. Okay. So, anyways, we're going to get back to this. So, as briefly uh, as priest, that was Johnny, he said he's, I guess he's doing an interview right now. So, didn't want to cause him too many problems, so have to cause some problems so priestly authority over demons and angels now one of the interesting things of the premise on this book has been is that if these people had the power to, if they had the power and authority who is that? restart BRP. restart BRP. what's the what's I forgot what BRB is. <clears throat>
4: mm-hmm.
5: I forgot what BRB... What does BRB stand for?
0: BRB. Meaning. Oh, goodness. Meaning. Restart. Be right back. Okay. <clears throat>
5: So that was uh, once. Um, I might not be able to get into this. I am uh, in Yeah, I got that book too to read. I got so many books to read. Dude. So little time to do any of this. Oh, gosh. I wish I had somebody would join me and do this. Andrew, you ever think about being a you know, co host on this show? You ever think about doing that? I know you're not comfortable about it, but heck, I am a. I'm a fumbling fool like me can do it. Why can't you? Come on, man. I need some co-hosts here. I need somebody to help maintain this, keep this going. But anyway, sorry for the sorry for the pressure there, man. I understand, guy. Okay, you're busy. But anyways, priestly authority over the demons and angels. One edition of the Grim Wars of Pope honoris published in uh, 1670, a few years before La Boyson scandal broke begins with a citation from the Gospels, <clears throat> which is the whole basis of the church supremacy. In, the, in this reference, Jesus is speaking with Peter, who will become the first pope. Quote, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you seal on earth shall be sealed in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be bound, unbound in heaven. Matthew 16, 15, 19. This is more proactive from a as above, so below. And this is where, they, of course, the New Agers start to <clears throat> they try to take advantage of this. And this is also what um, the uh, biblical historical prophetic antichrist, the papacy, has done too. They're trying to take advantage of this. The false prophet, if you will, the, well, the bishop of Rome. They claimed this authority. and uh, so it, it was an axiom for the emerald tablet of the emerald tab table of Hermes. So this is where we get this as well so below. And I know as a new ager and being involved with all that stuff when I was in AA, uh, of course it's been six years since then. Uh, this is what we would always chant and say and always over and over again. So, as of us, so alone. And it wasn't most some of this kind of weird thing where people were all dressed up in garbs and, and robes. Let me know when you're ready. Let me know when you're ready. When you're ready. He might be saying he's ready now, but I can't um yeah so but that was just one of those kind of, kind of those principles that the new Agers use and um and a lot of other people too so uh it's something that's very much became uh i guess really part of the a meme and a, a part of a, more of a social conscience in as a, in general uh the last decade with things like the book the secret and all these other things so so you, it's because for the emerald Table of Hermes, a favorite text of the Neo-Platonist philosophers. In short, it gives not only mundane power to the church, but a level of supernatural power that is unheard of in any other denomination, the ability to cause change to occur in heaven as well as upon earth. So this is worth total heresy, (laughs) The group that goes around telling everybody else is a heretic has a premise right here of <laughs> authority, and it's the ultimate of, of heresies. <laughs> of course, the ultimate heresy of all is that the, the Pope is God on earth, the bigger of Christ, but um, then it goes downhill from there, folks. Uh, I'm not picking on the average I'm a Catholic. I'm not picking on the average of anybody. I mean, this comes from a lack—it's just a lack of knowledge. It's due to ignorance why many people believe and follow things that, as we all do. And, and it's
4: uh, <clears throat> many
5: of us. It's not because we're bad people. We're just foolish people, uh, ignorant people, uh, because of circumstances. So, uh, anyone, any priest and clergyman taking these words literally would understand that he possessed a gris, a supernatural ability, on in human history. The temptation to test these powers would, for some men, become irresistible. A lowly priest may attempt to investigate this uh, potential at his own risk, but the pope or an archbishop or bishop would consider themselves virtually immune from any spiritual fallout, Owing that their high rank in the church, and the fact that no one lower than a bishop in the hierarchy is able to perform all the sacraments, i.e., only a bishop and higher is a full priest. For only a bishop may ordain, may ordain another priest and share in the consecration of other bishops. As for the pope there is no higher spiritual authority on earth for the catholic for a catholic the pope the popes who have been accused of trafficking in occultism and magic uh, must have believed they were above the law jesus himself gave them the power to cause change to occur in heaven itself therefore giving them the ability to virtually Absolve themselves from any sin that might attach to their incantations over the Black Book. And needless to say, this is great heresy. And think that this is great heresy. I don't know, what just happened there. Okay. For some reason, there's a lot of activity on Skype, but never had a lot of activity on Skype, and all of a sudden, I got activity on Skype. And, of course, I, I interacted a little bit, so I guess that's part of it, so uh, I'll be part of it, I guess. But anyways, uh, this whole idea of being above a basically God's law and actually that you have some power to dictate what goes on in heaven, great blasphemy is all get out. These little men gods claim that they are actually God themselves, gods themselves. pretending, I guess, to be the Elohim on Earth physically. Um, What what nonsense. As we noted earlier, Pope Sylvester II was one of the earliest of these uh, mystically inclined popes. Due to his studies among the Arab philosophers of Spain, he is considered one of the first to introduce Arabic numerals to Europe. He was rumored to have built a me- mechanical head that would answer questions and put it to the Pope. This is an underlying myth among many of the occult philosophers of the dark and middle ages and the ability to create talking heads. And now we see this a little bit, why so obsessed with skulls even for now, even to this time? And their, abil- their blasphemous teachings and ability to actually have t- heads talked to them. Now, maybe demonic spirits can manipulate that and make that happen.
0: All right. How is it?
5: Hey, how's it going, Zen? How are you doing, man?
7: Really good, man. Yourself?
5: Hey, I'm hanging in there. I had uh, my son for the weekend. He just finally left, and I'm just like, "Well, what am I going to do?" Well, I'm going to go do a recording. So,
7: <laughs> I've, been right, doing,
5: I've been doing a reading. I don't know if you heard of the book uh, "Papal Magic and Occult Practices in the Catholic Church" by Simon. Have you, you, have you ever read any of that stuff back in the day?
7: Mm, no, um, I do read a lot, but I keep my focus mostly, like I said, um, on scripture and extra-biblical, extra-canonical text. Yeah. I don't read a whole lot of, like, other is people's it, material. This is more
5: like a historical book about, uh, well, what happened, um, you know, in the Dark Ages and Middle Ages, and as far as
4: mm-hmm.
5: um, the use of black magic and how it was a heavy part of, um, well... The hierarchy of the, of, you know, the Catholic Church or uh, the Christianity in Western Europe. So, it's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. Really reading it. So,
7: <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know I right read now. a lot of books on like ancient mysteries and Sumerian mythology. You know the the all the uh, the Hindu stories of the prior times, like the Mahabharata and things like that. I like to read like the the mythologies and the oral traditions from all the cultures worldwide, uh, that kind of stuff, the uh, really ancient accounts. But I do read some historical, definitely a lot of nonfiction. I don't read a lot of fiction at all. Matter of fact, I think probably 0% fiction stuff.
5: Well, you're a researcher, so. No. Well, right. it's, you know, as uh, we put all the pieces together, it's it's quite a, well, it's a bizarre and quite tragic story of humanity, isn't it? And uh, but in, but in the same token, it, 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 we're in a very special time, as you brought up on your show numerous times, as things are starting to become more revealed about, or truths, I should say, becoming revealed. You know. So, by the way, happy uh, Sabbath.
7: Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Well, it's. Um... I believe um, the new moon will be, yeah, today is the fifth Sabbath of the month, and the new moon will be tomorrow, Uh, if I'm correct about, you know, when we looked at it last week, because it was supposed to change this month, and the 7% crescent moon, I believe, is tomorrow, but I'll I'll actually pull up the calendar just to make sure. But, yeah, happy fifth Sabbath. so, uh,
5: yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know what I, I was. Do you have an access when you were with. Uh, if this is too much of an ask, uh, something to ask for from, from me, I understand. But uh, I think it was your last interview with Chris Tyreman, You found, I believe it was the Book of Enoch, or it was some, it was somewhere where you found that it was prophesied that the Sabbath would be lost and taken away. Oh well, yeah, the Book of Jubilees. The Book of Jubilees. Do you have that? Yeah, uh, chapter you, 6. Would you be willing to share that on the show? Would you be willing to read that?
7: Oh, yeah, most, most certainly. Yeah. Let me pull it up. Is that
5: I, fascinating. I, I, oh, it's so revealing. When I listened to you do that, I was like, oh, my gosh. Just like Chris, my jaw dropped, too. I so, said, you know what? It did happen, just like they said. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Right.
6: I I mean, how long? Yeah, I think think
5: another really. Go ahead. I was going to ask you, how long do you think it's actually been lost—the truth about the Sabbath? Was it was it Nicene Creed, or do you think it was uh, even before that?
7: Um. Well, since they changed over to the um, the Julian calendar that was when they changed it from a lunar to a, a solar calendar and then when they made all the days of the week congruent back to back uh, and also the weeks and the months and the years and there was no exclusion for you know, Sabbath that's when everything got distorted. And then after that, when they made Sabbath just once every um, seven days, you know, making it on Sunday, that's when it got all screwed up. For sure. So
5: it's at least the nail in the coffin for most was the 325, 322, whatever it was at the time of that night scene. So, um.
7: I'm pulling it up, so I'll tell you when I'm reading. Okay, get it. It's truly fascinating um, passage. The, the Book of Jubilees has a lot of information about the calendar system and uh, and how it would be thwarted and changed, and how the festivals, because of that, would also be lost as far as the timing. And then you know they also changed the beginning of the new year to being um, after the winter solstice, you know the, you know after the um, Saturnalia festival, and then January marks the new year, whereas in the ancient Hebrew calendar system, it's, um, it's the vernal equinox that begins spring and the new year. and also another interesting thing that this particular um, passage reveals is that the year is actually 364 days um, and that the it, it is divided equally, each season is divided equally into 90 days which it takes the sun 30 days um, to pass through each of the gates of heaven as marked out by Um, Enoch, in the book of Enoch and the courses of the heavenly luminaries and then you have one special day, the four natural holy days which are the equinoxes and the solstices and so you have the sun going back and forth between the Tropic of Cancer and the Tropic of Capricorn as it moves through these six gates of heaven it divides the year um, by these 91 day portions Uh, And each one of the seasons, when you add them all together, of course, you get 182 days for half a year, and that's how long it takes for the sun to go from the Tropic of Cancer to the Tropic of Capricorn, and then reverse course, and it takes the same amount of time to go in the other direction. And so that divides each one of the seasons into 91 days, and the full solar
5: year... Hey, it's to that point you're talking about, uh, what are the what? Okay, it's a, it's a hundred and for the fat first half of the year it's hundred and how many days?
7: One hundred and eighty-two days. Yeah, okay, Season is divided into ninety-one.
5: So would the that point then be? Would it be uh, what would we call it, December the
7: twenty-first? Yeah, December that... the twenty-first begins winter
5: so that would be like the shortest day of the year right so and then right.
7: the longest night
5: cool okay just wanted you know for other people to think about it and put it in perspective so actually most people I bet you most people didn't realize that December the 21st is, is the I know that's part of the Gregorian calendar but that day is the shortest day of the year <laughs> I bet you right. I mean I didn't even start thinking about it until recently myself you know thinking about mm-hmm. this lunar calendar. So I mean, there's no reason to even try to think much about it without it. So that reason.
7: So. right. So go ahead. And it alternates um, between December 20th and December 23rd, depending on the year, because the Gregorian calendar, um, you know, they go by 365 and a quarter day solar year. And so things fluctuate.
5: Now, do you have the link to that? Uh, are you reading that from the Book of Jubilees? Uh, is that online?
7: Yeah, I've got the link. I'll give it to you right now.
5: Cool, and I'll send it to the folks, those folks in the, the chat room.
7: And I put, yeah, put, put it out. In yeah, I, w- I would recommend reading the entire Book of Jubilees just because it's a truly fascinating text. Um, but specifically, you know, I have this. Particular passage in my um, my ninth book, the Flat Earth, as key to decrypt the Book of Enoch, uh, because it is you know it totally predicts all the things that we were talking about as far as the calendar changes and how the feasts and the festivals would get lost because of that, and also you know changing Sabbath to Sunday.
5: Well, you know, I <clears throat> for me you know looking at all the you, you know you I've listened to a ton of stuff just like you this year about the flat earth. I mean once you get wrapped up in it it's hard to come out or leave it. Mm-hmm. Leave it. So but I I think the icing on the cake has been what I've heard from your show and what you've said on my show and is this whole thing about uh, how the scriptures, you know, the book of Enoch and all this what you read here uh, on your last show uh um in the book of jubilees and all that it's like it's like icing on the cake i mean what are you going to say if you're a follower of jesus christ and you believe in the text um and i think what's fascinating too is how you're bringing this to light to me and my audience because you know a lot of folks that listen to my show are kind of well to be honest with you most of them are king james only and uh kind of uh mm. your are you're, you're uh kind of your historicist type of uh christians and uh uh, we've been told all our, you know, most of our Christian lives that uh, you can't look. Uh, you, it's 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 wrong to look at these uh, extra canonical books. These or whatever you like. This to call is them.
7: actually the link. This is the the link to the actual um, passage that I related to you. Okay, cool. Thank you. The so, other one is for the whole book of Jubilees. So I am
5: I'm, I'm excited about this because of uh, well I guess I'm a, I'm a bit of a uh, never you never was uh, it's, it's kind of like a detective work you know and then rewards more rewards. the things you find out as you go along if you keep pushing and pushing and pushing you start to realize wow there's something to all this that's been coming uh, coming around this past year and I think. Yeah, as, as important as, as to to figure out about you know what a world looks like, this message about the lunar sabbath too has a huge part of it, if not maybe the main part of it. I don't know at this point, but it's a huge part of it i I don't know if you're a follower of Jesus Christ that you can't get to this point. you know what I mean It pushes you to this point of you know addressing you know why that moon is up there. Why is
7: that thing up there? <laughs> right, right.
4: It
5: has
7: to it, be. A it says it says that the moon was is there to um, mark the appointed times and to help us to determine um, you know as far as the celebration of Sabbath. So, um, and so once you read and study scriptures, and oh yeah, I know what I was going to tell you. You you said that this is like um. Yeah, and being an investigator to seek out and to understand. And I equate it to being um, that, you know, it is that we're like detectives and we're trying to discover the truth. It's almost like it's a murder mystery, you know, and that um, having the truth stolen from us is what we are trying to recover and rediscover. And that in order for us to do that, Just like a a detective, an investigator, we have to go out and look at all the evidence. And whether, even if it seems completely irrelevant to us, um, you know, like a detective, he'll mark uh, cigarette butts, gum wrapper papers, anything that even doesn't look like evidence um, initially they'll mark it and they'll categorize it and they'll study it and they'll um, put it down in their notes and they'll write everything they can about everything. They'll study everything from every perspective and every angle. And then if it's not connected to truth, then certainly they'll uh, push it aside. And those things, which they are, they'll unify them into... Um, a timeline, and uh, and they'll seek out the underlying truth between all these things that seemingly are unconnected or that don't seem to be in any way uh, acquainted with whatever the investigation might be about. And in my opinion, that's what I do when I study all of these extra-biblical and extra-canonical texts, because we don't know whether they have pieces which will help us to elaborate on and to bring extra detail to this biblical narrative and to the story that we are all familiar with as far as the the King James the canon the 66 book canon um and even the the canon was at one time an 80 book with the apocrypha and the shepherd of hermas and those particular the Apocryphal texts are very uh, important and relevant as well. Uh, specifically, what I find is that there are three main themes which when you begin to study all of these other texts that help you to, um, to ferret them out within the scripture. And those three, those three things are specific to L- Lucifer being the father of Cain and him being the scion of the devil, the first hybrid son of the devil, and that this is the reason why we have um, throughout Scripture the patriarchs keeping extensive record of whom begat whom and whom was born of whom, and uh, these two bloodlines and lineages playing out through all of history being um, cited as being the wheat and the tares, the goat and the sheep, those that follow the broad path of destruction and those that follow the narrow way, the wise version, the foolish version—it's the the same thing. These two, um, even when Christ was crucified on the cross, between these two thieves, one would join him in paradise, and the other would be um, reserved for condemnation. And so, this kind of thing played out, even with. Um, Between Cain and Abel, Cain and Seth, and then you have the children of Cain and then the children of Seth, Noah being pure in his generation, then Ham and Canaan um, establishing the seed of the serpent post flood, Um, and you have Nimrod coming up through Canaan's line, Um, and then you have uh, David and Goliath, and you have Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, the sons of Jacob and Esau, Joseph and Pharaoh, um, Moses and Pharaoh, and then Joshua and the, the sons of Anak, David, you know, again, David and Goliath and his four hybrid giant brothers, Saf and Ish-Ben-Bob, and I forget the other two, but, um, it plays out all the way to Yeshua and the Pharisees um, that conspired to murder and kill him. And, um, and it's playing out even today between humanity and, and the new world order. And so these are the things that we don't see as far as that particular theme. And then you have the other theme as far as pre-existence, which goes back to the war in heaven and how, Uh, The enmity between these two bloodlines stems from that war in heaven and uh, connects to our preexistence, our first estate, and our being predestined to be born into the flesh, that that really is original sin and that we're here because of our preexistence. Just like Christ said, remember, from whence thou art fallen, and do the first works, otherwise he'll... Remove our candlestick um and it, and so that theme is also very important because it helps to explain um with the two bloodlines why those like Jacob are favored and others are like Esau are hated when you know nobody had even been born into the flesh yet, but that they there are uh, those that are predisposed for certain inclinations, and that's why we are born into certain circumstances and situations, and uh, our election is determined um, in that manner. And then the whole other thing is this flat earth um, and its connections to Sabbath and the ancient Hebrew calendar system, and also with um, the determination of the, the Levitical feast days and how Christ fulfilled those and how he will fulfill the the fall feast with his return. And so that being said, I'll go ahead and read this particular passage oh, yeah. from oh. chapter six. What's that?
5: Yeah,
7: do please. Okay, yeah, um chapter six of the book of Jubilees and I'll start with verse twelve. And this testimony is written concerning you that you should observe it continually, so that you should not eat of any day any blood of beasts or birds or cattle during all the days of the earth. And the man who eateth the blood of the beasts or the cattle or the birds during all the days of the earth, he and his seed shall be rooted out of the land. And do thou command the children of Israel to eat no blood so that their names and their seed may be before the Lord our God continually. And for this law there is no limit of days, for it is forever. They shall observe it throughout their generations so that they may continually supplicating on your behalf with blood before the altar every day, and that at the time of morning and evening they shall seek forgiveness on your behalf perpetually before the Lord that they may keep it and not be rooted out. And he gave to Noah... And his son's a sign that there should be not again be a flood on the earth. He set his bow in the cloud for a sign of the eternal covenant that there should not again be a flood on the earth to destroy it all the days of, of the earth. For this reason it is ordained and written on the heavenly tablets that they should celebrate the Feast of Weeks in this month, once a year, to renew the covenant every year. And this whole festival was celebrated in heaven from the day of creation till the days of Noah, 26 jubilees and five weeks of years. And Noah and his sons observed it for seven jubilees and one week of years till the day of Noah's death. And from this day of Noah's death, his sons did away with it until the days of Abraham. And they ate blood. But Abraham observed it, and Isaac and Jacob and his children observed it, up to thy days, and in thy days the children of Israel forgot it until ye celebrated it anew on this mountain. And do thou command the children of the Israel to observe this festival in all their generations for a commandment unto them, one day in the year, in this month, they shall celebrate the festival. For it is the Feast of Weeks and the Feast of Firstfruits, this feast is twofold and of double nature, according to what is written and engraved concerning it
4: um, last place
7: concerning it, celebrate it, for I have written in the book of the first law, in that which I have written for thee, that thou should celebrate it in its season one day in the year, and I explain to thee its sacrifices that the children of Israel should remember and should celebrate it throughout their generations in this month, one day in every year. And on the new moon of the first month and on the new moon of the fourth month and on the new moon of the seventh month and on the new moon of the tenth month, are the days of remembrance, those are the you know, the vernal equinoxes and the, that I told you about and also the solstices, uh, days of remembrance of the days of the seasons and the four divisions of the year. These are written and ordained as a testimony forever. And Noah ordained them for himself as peace for the generations forever, so that they have become thereby a memorial unto him. And on the new moon of the first month, he was bidden to make for himself an ark. And on that day, the earth became dry, and he opened the ark and saw the earth. And on the new moon of the fourth month, the mouths of the depths of the abysses beneath were closed. And on the new moon of the seventh month, all the mouths of the abysses of the earth were opened, and on the waters began to descend into them. And on the new moon of the tenth month, the tops of the mountains were seen, and Noah was glad, and this, on this account he ordained them for himself as feasts for a memorial forever. And thus are they ordained, and they placed them on the heavenly tablets. Each had thirteen weeks, for one to another, past their memorial, from the first to the second, from the second to the third, and from the third to the fourth. And all the days of the commandment will be two and fifty weeks of days, and these will make the entire year complete. Thus it is engraven and ordained on the heavenly tables, tables, and there is no neglecting this commandment for a single year or from a year to year. And command thou the children of Israel that they observe the years according to this reckoning 364 days. And these will constitute a complete year, and they will not disturb its time from its day and from its feasts. For everything will fall out in them according to their testimony, and they will not leave out any day nor disturb any feast. But if they do neglect testimony and they will not leave, uh, but if they do neglect and do not observe them according to his commandment, Then they will disturb all their seasons and the years will be dislodged from this order. And they will disturb the seasons and the years will be dislodged and they will neglect their ordinances and all the children of Israel will forget and will not find the path of the years and will forget the new moons and seasons and Sabbaths and they will go wrong as to all the order of the years. For I know, and from henceforth shall I declare it unto thee, and it is not of my own devising, for the book lieth written before me and on the heavenly tablets. The division of the days is ordained, lest they forget the feast of the covenant and walk according to the feast of the Gentiles, after their error and after their ignorance. For there will be those who will assuredly make observations of the moon, Now it is disturbed the seasons and cometh in from year to year ten days too soon. For this reason, the years will come upon them when they will disturb the order and make an abominable day the day of testimony and an unclean day a feast day. And they will confound all the days the holy with the unclean and the unclean day with the holy. For they will go wrong as to the months and Sabbaths and feasts and jubilees. And for this reason, I command and testify to thee that thou mayest testify to them. For after thy death, thy children will disturb them, so that they will make the 364 days only. And for this reason, they will go wrong as to the new moons and seasons and Sabbaths and festivals, and they will eat all kinds of blood with all kinds of flesh. Um, the whole reason why Noah was given the covenant to, uh, to not eat the flesh with blood within it was because prior to the flood of Noah's day, they weren't allowed to eat meat. They were told to, to eat of all the seeds and all the plants. Um, but because the giants were cannibals, and they began to eat flesh and to um, consume blood in that way. And then they also ritualized it to to their fallen angel fathers and the abomination of their rituals. And that they established a whole religion around this kind of cannibalism and the drinking of blood. And it's um, it's something that is even indoctrinated into the Luciferian and Satan. Uh, satanic um, you know as far as the religion of the Freemasons and how they worship their father the devil uh, those kind of things are still indoctrinated into their uh, ritualistic practices and that's why after the flood the Most High made a covenant with Noah that he could eat flesh as long as it did not have the blood within it and so but you know after noah's death, as it says in this passage, his children um they began to ritualize and to follow the um the giants and the fallen angels and um this kind of abominable um, behavior which it also specifies this in Malachi and while you're commenting on Pull, pull it up because I think your listeners will be shocked by this particular passage as well.
5: Well, the first thing I would just like to say this uh, from uh, Herbert Spencer says here, uh, the quote is quite famous. There is a principle which is a bar against all information which is proof against all arguments which cannot fall fail to keep a man in everlasting ignorance. That, that principle is contempt prior to investigation. Herbert Spencer, I think I just might have lost. Did I just lose you? I think I just lost him. I think I just lost. There's a problem. Hold on while this call. Oh, you are back. <laughs> he fell off.
7: The okay, shelf. yeah.
5: And I, was just, yeah, I, just, I, I, was, I just was reading Herbert Spencer's uh, quote about uh, <clears throat> contempt prior to investigation. So um, that's the first thing I think about. That's The next thing I think about when you're talking about these you know people out there that eat the cannibalism and flesh and all that, the first thing I think about, of course, is, uh, oh, gosh, what's his name, guy? I just lost his name. Um, Alistair Crowley. Goodness gracious! Like they're right. bringing it all back. The other thing I think about too is you are talking about these, uh, you know, it's all lost and then they bring it back again, but they're being on a bombable day and all this kind of stuff. And it makes me think about the the desire and attempt for them to build their that third temple in Jerusalem. Is that what's going to happen? Have you thought about that? But they would, they would use that for, you know, obviously, there's no need for the third temple, in my opinion. Right. My, yeah, there's no biblical about it. that there's, Certainly there's that desire that they have. Um, would they do that? Is that, like a, is that part of this uh, prophecy? it's part of this, uh, this scripture? What do you think?
7: Um, I think that, you know, because as far as the, and also with the sacrifice of children, um, that in even the powers that be in in Jerusalem, like if you study uh the difference between the Talmudic Jews and the Torah Jews um, that these kind of things are instituted among the elites uh in all um, as far as in in all of the countries of the world, and they do these Freemasonic. Uh, gestures and that they are trying to institute it and that the religion that they're going to be establishing is the Antichrist religion. Now, I'm not sure what you were reading because I I couldn't hear you um, as far as whatever it is. It was
5: just the the famous quote from Herbert Spencer. uh, There is a principle which is a bar against all information. Oh, yeah, yeah. And all the reason I was reading that is because we're reading something that's not in, you know, the Bible, the the King James Bible, or, you know, the standard 66 books of of the Bible, and a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to listen to that, I can't hear that, you know, I'm not going to take that seriously, but I think that's a grave error. At least listen first and try to, you know what I mean, at least listen and see if there's anything that's, and, you know, Based on studying some history and what the world's gone on in contemporary uh, the news of the day, you should be able to apply this and say, you know what? Uh, what I just what I just heard you read is it seems very true. <laughs> it's very true.
7: <laughs> so well, it's absolutely prophetic. It yeah. is fulfilled. And the Book of Jubilees and Jasher and the Book of Enoch they are cited and referenced in the King James Version of the Bible. And there are uh, dozens of texts which are mentioned, which we don't even have access to. And so if people want to just limit themselves to the 66-book canon, I mean, you know, during the early formation of the church, there were thousands, tens of thousands of texts which were available to the apostles and the early disciples and, those that were followers of Christ and how and why people would limit themselves to just a small minuscule aspect of uh, the total truth that is out there is just beyond me. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, I'm going to read this passage. Okay. Go ahead.
5: I was just going to make a
4: comment. This is
7: from... Yeah, you'll you'll want to comment after this, I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> it's it's um, Micah chapter 3, and it says, And I said, Here, I pray you, O heads of Jacob, and ye princes of the house of Israel, is it not for you to know judgment, who hate the good and love the evil, who pluck off their skin from off them and their flesh from off their bones, who also eat the flesh of my people and slay yeah. their Skin from off them, and they break their bones and chop them in pieces as for the pot, and as flesh within the cauldron. Then shall they cry unto the Lord, but he will not hear them. He will even hide his face from them at that time, as they have behaved themselves ill in their doing. And so, you know, the Mosai is basically saying that what is mentioned in Jubilees that would be instituted after the death of Noah, uh, that it's still ongoing and that even the the princes of, you know, the house of Jacob and the, those that are the ruling elite of uh, Israel, that they were involved in such abominable behavior. Wow. And it's the same way even today.
5: Oh, it definitely is. I'm trying to think, you know, <clears throat> well, I have a couple comments. First thing is a book of Jubilees that talks about how women would, uh, they, would, the men would encourage their women to, uh, I guess, deform their bodies and do things, or take they'll, they'll take this certain, uh, whatever, it was, like an herb or a plant or some kind of drink that would uh, cause them to not get, I guess, not be able to have kids and to uh, keep their nice, figures, you know what I mean? I found that fascinating because that's what we're seeing today with this uh, idol. Well, that's what
7: the Sons of Cain. The... No, yeah. is that what you're talking about? Yeah, the Sons yeah, of Cain, been... they...
5: Yeah. yeah. And isn't that the same thing we're seeing today? I
7: mean, yeah.
5: You look at, uh, you know, all the imagery out there of the... <clears throat> and the mainstream media and every woman's has to be complete, you know, really thin and and uh uh is basically a sex object. But the other thing too thinks about as well, we talk about this um uh, have you ever read the the Jesuit oath?
6: Mm.
7: No, you haven't I'm gonna read this. No. Uh I actually I think I have but um I'm not gonna read the whole thing. Just I think read. I read it actually in um Chris's book, the um the destruction of Sabbath he, I, I think he has that good in there
5: well it says in here says, this is what the Jesuits say so they, uh, this is a, their their oath at the, the very top of the Jesuits, just like all the other secret societies uh, and all these other societies Jesuits are some secret but um, from my research they seem to be in control of all these other societies and a lot of folks would call them the society of Satan not <laughs> really the society of Jesus but they're Use the name Jesus and in a blasphemous way. But, anyways, it says here this is what their promise is. It's this, the Conor I further promise and declare that I will, when opportunity presents, make and wage relentless war secretly or openly against all heretics, Protestants, and liberals, as I am directed to do, to exportate and exterminate them from the face of the whole earth and that I will spare neither age, sex, or condition, and that I will hang, waste, boil, flay, strangle, and bury alive these infamous heretics, and rip open the stomachs and wombs of, of their women, and crush their infants' heads against the walls, in order to annihilate forever their execrable race, that when... The same cannot be done openly. I will secretly use the poison cup, the strangling cord, the steel, the poniard, and the laden bullet. And regardless of honor, rank, dignity, and authority of the person or persons, whatever may be their condition in life, their public or private, either public or private, as I, at any time, may be directed to do by any agents of the Pope, the Superior, or the Brotherhood of the Holy Faith, the Society of Jesus. And when I think about that, when I hear you're reading, I, I, I see just a repeating of what was then being re- brought back in, in its entirety. And, I, and um, there's so many of these groups out there that want to be part of it. And you look at this whole thing. What's going on in the state of Israel and uh, the role of the Jesuits in particular and then creating it and you know the Jesuit, you know Rome finds the Jews heretics, and what does it say there He says there, in order to annihilate forever their extrable race i really right. think I really think. Uh, Zen that part of their plan, at least Rome's plan, I don't know if God's got allow it, but part of Satan and Rome's, Rome's plan, and I'm now talking about the hierarchy, I'm talking about the the men who have been infiltrated and taken, taken advantage of it for many uh, centuries now, Has uh, they have a plan, and I think part of it is, you know, as they send all these uh, many, especially your tematic, Jews, not your tematic, but your uh, Your Torah Jews, who are actually against the State of Israel and what's going on, and this whole thing about having a a third temple, I think they're going to try to do it with the intent, as Albert Pike says, in the Third World War. What is it? You know, he talks about the State of Israel back in 1871, and what was that all about? It was about to get rid of this, uh, their execrable (laughs) ways, to annihilate it. And uh, you connect all the dots here. they taken away the Sabbath. And they have this endless war with the Jews and with the, the, the true believers of Christ. And uh, you know, I you know at this point, from my studies, it seems like the only answer we have is go back to the Lord, go back to our, our Heavenly Father and His laws. Now, a lot of people are going to say, "Well, aren't you going back to be into legalism?" I want to ask you this question based on your research. Does this sound to you like because of honoring the lunar sabbath that's a legalistic venture on our part? Is it more bondage or is it what do you think?
7: Because you gonna hear uh, it. say that again? This so what about, about the lunar sabbath?
5: Well about keeping keeping the Sabbath properly on the lunar Earth's, uh calendar, and you know, people are gonna say uh you probably heard it already, um that you know, it's it's legalism um, that you're offering us more bondage. What did Christ do for us? Um and what is what's been your take on all this, especially the the negative responses about this? I'm sure you've heard of
7: them. Well, the the following the lunar Sabbath and uh, the calendar and determining when Sabbath is has everything to do with honoring the Ten Commandments and that uh, even Yeshua told us to to follow the commandments um, and that he and the apostles adhered to them and celebrated them and also the Levitical Feast Days and that's what we are to do um, as disciples and followers of the Most High and uh, it's about honoring the Father, not not about bondage. Bondage is being born into this matrix and to this prison planet system and um, being in a fallen state of being and that it, you know, we are undergoing this trial and living through these tribulations in order to prove our allegiance so that we can escape the bondage and that salvation is true freedom and so um, and that's why we are to honor the Sabbath and to understand the feast days and um, their importance because you know as I said about Yeshua fulfilling them when he first came into flesh and incarnated into the flesh and how he will fulfill them when he returns it's all about honoring the father and the son in, in love and respect and, um, and thankfulness and gratitude and the the true bondage is being tricked by the, the the idolatry which Christians, mainstream Christians and um, most of the world are involved in and in celebrating things like Easter and Christmas and not even knowing when the Sabbath occurs. Um, also, I was looking at the lunar calendar and it's the 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 new moon will actually be on the 11th of this month and it'll be on a Monday and that the lunar, um, lunar conjunction will be on the ninth. And so the fifth Sabbath is on, um, will be on the, the ninth of this month.
5: So that what day would that be this week? Will so that'd be sun, another
7: Sunday evening. Or is it no, that has to be... Uh, Actually, the the 9th is a Saturday. And then you have the one day of um, in between because this month we have the 29 days and then the 30th day and then you, then the new moon. And then next month you'll have the um, beginning with the 11th, you have the new moon, the 7% moon. Then you have the four seven-day sabbatical weeks, and then the fifth Sabbath and the crescent moon, the new moon will be back-to-back because it alternates on God's calendar between 29 and 30 days. One month is 29 days. The next month is 30 days because the synodic month, the the lunar phases, uh, they equate to 29.53 days. Um, average. And so if God's calendar the ancient Hebrew calendar system alternates between these 39, 29 days and 30 days, there's no month which has more than 30 days because of this average. And so on the 11th, you have the new moon, then you have the six working days. And then uh, the following Monday will be the um, the first quarter moon, which falls in line with the the second Sabbath, and then the full moon on the twenty fifth, which will be the third Sabbath, and then you go to the next month, which let me pull that up. Interesting. And on the on the first, you'll have the uh, the third quarter, which will be the fourth Sabbath. And then Lunar Conjunction will be on the 8th. And then the following day, the 9th, um, the 10th, actually, is when the 7% moon. So that's interesting. Um, so that will be when when the... Um, oh, but yeah, that's right. Okay, and so, yeah, it'll be on the 10th next month. And then so... Sabbath will be on Wednesday next month.
5: Interesting.
7: So going back to the
5: 9th and the eleventh, how are we supposed to keep the ninth and eleventh?
7: Well, uh, as I said, the you know as far as Sabbath, the Most High tells us to not work on those days, and it's my opinion that He doesn't want us to work in order for us to to focus on Him and to focus on celebrating and honoring our relationship with Him. And that, in my opinion, the best way we can do that is by the study of Scripture. Uh, Or, you know, for people, if you can congregate with others that are of like mind, that come together to honor and also celebrate the Most High, or even enjoying meal with family and friend and giving grace and gratitude, um in thanksgiving prior to the meal and then celebrating in in that way but if you can't you know whatever it is that you can do to focus on the most high god um but that we're not to work in order to focus on him and to honor him and celebrate him that's good
5: so um well you probably, well, you don't really know me, but uh, that much that well. But uh, a year ago, about this time, I was doing shows about how the we don't need the Sabbath. Anymore. I was, used to be a, I tried the Sabbath uh, on a Saturday and failed miserably, so I totally rejected it. And along with a lot of, of these other folks who like are, Day Adventists and all that, and said, "Well, we don't need the Sabbath anymore; as will be done away with." So I've done that show, and now I'm like a rubber band, and going bang, bang. You know what I mean? <laughs> like our ping pong ball. But I'm coming to realize that what you're saying has to be true. So it ha- I mean, God didn't uh, give us the Sabbath and the moon and all those things for for no reason. And so, right. um, you know, for you. And so I'm going to ask you some questions, only for you know, for my sake and also for the sake of listeners. Um, so, you know, you and I, we are in a different type, type of situation than most people because, you know, of our circumstances where, you know, we can't hold like a traditional job, nine to five, and a lot of people have to work on this day and that day. <clears throat> you have you have basically flexibility, as self employed I guess, because of your, I'm assuming, mm. uh, if you're telling me. Yeah, reason, uh-huh. And of course the mine because of my uh, my multiple sclerosis it's it's limited my ability to do things that I used to be able to do. I used to be a blue car worker, but my last job was a train conductor, taking freight trains to Chicago and back. So, you know, a hard working guy and uh so but it's easy I think, you know, you know, I was talking to a a listener and somebody joined in actually, Chris uh, Lucas, who is a Sabbath uh Saturday Sabbath keeper and very faithful and he's really obviously this is per, you're out a soul and really getting him to think and he's asking a lot of questions so yeah i mean it's i have a lot of sympathy for people who are in their situation and i have no idea what to say except that i'm going to try to do this folks i'm going to try to do it because I feel it's the right thing to do. And I know I'm contradicting things I said in the past, but as I've always said in the show, if you're going to follow my journey, uh, you're going to find me putting my foot in my mouth quite a bit as I try to find the truth. <laughs> you know, so
4: yeah.
5: uh, So so Saturday, uh, you know, for us, I guess for you, not working would be uh, not working on your books and that kind of thing. It would be just focusing on God now, for a guy like me, what would you suggest I should do? I mean, I know this is kind of maybe a loaded question, but you had a little experience doing this, a little bit more time thinking about this. What should I do?
7: Huh. Well, if you um, maybe spend the day um, outside, connected to the creation, if it's a sunny and a warm day, or even like a, if you are in northern latitudes. Um, start a, a fire you know and sit beside the fire and um read scripture read the torah study the the gospel um spend some hours doing that and then if you have family and loved ones and friends or or if your son you know is, comes to visit or whatever uh celebrate meal and give grace um mm-hmm. offer prayer and gratitude uh to the most high for you know, for the abundance that He's provided and given to all of us, and and that would be a good way to to honor um, to God and to and to pass the Sabbath, in my opinion.
5: Yeah, another thing I'm going to try to do. That's some good advice, thank you. Another I'm also going to try to do is to turn off the. Uh, the, the if if, there, if I'm going to do anything on the internet, it will be you know. Something related to uh what we're talking about, you know something to do with scripture or his word or whatever, but as far as like I'm gonna try my best those days to just leave the uh you know the email alone, leave the facebook alone i'm gonna, <laughs> you know what i mean i'm i'm gonna right. leave I leave the world alone, so if there's some kind of uh so like tomorrow or today I should say. Uh, uh, I'm gonna to try to. Although I'm doing, fa- I obviously just realized now that after the show, after doing this reading, I probably do a, a miserable job of it. I'm gonna to try to, uh, to walk away from the world, in which I spent so much time in, especially the right, the, the right. woes, the woes of this world. So I guess that's the best way I can do it. But I feel for yeah. other, people, other people who are like uh, you know these guys that have the families and they have to work and all that. I mean, I. I wish I had a good some, I guess, something good to share with them. I mean, I don't know what to say, you know what I mean? It's like uh, cause I, you know this is these are the ones who are going to feel like what we're doing is we're causing legalism and burdens a burden on them when they have already have enough. So,
7: I don't know. Well, I think that you know if, if they're at work and if they're at a um at a job where they have access to the computer or whatever or if they allow them to um, listen to uh, music, or you know, to use headphones or whatever. Maybe instead of listening to music, um, put the the Bible the the M- in MP3 form on on your little iPad and play it back and listen to the gospel. Because uh, I do that as well. Or or if you can't do that, maybe just driving on your way to work. Um, have the Bible on CD and, you know, and listen to some passages, whatever you can do, not in a burdensome way. Um, because we, the most I understand is that things are, uh, twisted and thwarted now and that most people, uh, haven't, you know, and aren't able to because of their regular work schedules and that most jobs won't give them off for Sabbath in the middle of the week. Um, but just to do something that is different from your normal routine, your normal regular working week. And even if it's in the evening after your job, just to have some portion of your day to where you are focused on the kingdom and the most I got and in seeking relationship and working and honoring. God in a way that helps you to come to truth and you know and again, that study of scripture or um, you know listening to the gospel in some way or or sitting down and reading Torah if you have chance and opportunity to do that and and I know that a lot of people even going to work and getting off work then they have to. Cook dinner, feed the children, you know, bathe them, get them ready for uh, school the next day, and that most people have just very little time at all. Um, a lot of people don't pray at all. So maybe be even if that's your life and it's very hectic and you have no time really even to breathe, then maybe spend ten minutes before you go to bed just praying, I mean, anything which would um, share focus and place emphasis on God, even if it's for a short duration or a short time, whatever you can spare, whatever just to acknowledge to the Most High God that He is important and that you are seeking to do differently just so that you can honor the Sabbath, at least acknowledge it, even if you can't um, spend the whole day dedicated to it uh, because of just, you know, circumstances with children, family, and regular uh, commitments as far as the carnal aspects of the world. Whatever you can do. And, and he would appreciate that. And your effort to acknowledge the Sabbath as holy is all that he's looking for.
5: Awesome.
4: That's
7: awesome. That's good. some good advice there. You know, I,
5: I'm thinking about this, because <clears throat> God created the moon for this. So, you know, this kind of changes the, I don't know if it has for you, but for me, the the importance, the, what that moon really is. If you? Um, and I know you've got to be careful here. People will get to think you're, you know, you know, be moon worsh- worshippers or something like that, but we're, I, we're not. I just I look at that moon. You have to, uh, you, with all this research and looking at that thing and the phases of it, and then we only ever see one side of it. And just to think about it, you know, it seems to be like a big giant print in the sky saying there's, there is a creator, there is a God, and that's there to remind us. Not about outer space and about venturing out into new galaxies, but there's a God. what do you think
7: yeah, absolutely. Both the sun and the moon are like um the most high staring down upon us, and they're like um the his representatives in giving us um and and it'cause you know, when I look at the sun, when I feel the sun, when I wake up in the morning and I feel the sunshine on my face, um, just the gloriousness, the sunshine feels so good, so comforting and so just peaceful. And that to me is like God giving you a hug and saying, good morning and welcome to a new day. Um, and you know, here's a renewed chance for you to go and experience my creation and to be part of it and to uh, realize that I made you in my own image so that you can share and have part in my creation and do those things which um, I have given you free will chance to do in exploring life and being and going through the duality of being here on on this world because even though we're in a fallen state of being and this is a fallen world and we are under the uh, temporary authority of Satan and the other fallen angels, this is still a reflection of paradise and and also of the blessings that are to come later because God created all of this as well, even this fallen world. And so the blessings are every moment of every day, even just being able to, even in this moment right now, you know, because we're not promised any more tomorrow and at any moment um, our lives could end. So the moment that we share now is such an incredible blessing one that we should recognize as such and that we should be very grateful and thankful to the most high for. Um, but so many, you know, very few even acknowledge or recognize that. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, um, we have the Sabbath is to have that kind of honor to the most high for all the possibilities that, he extends to us in every new day.
5: Yeah, awesome stuff. Hey, you, know, you know, I got a, a really far-out question, but I don't know if you thought about this or not. But we go. This is a, It might be bizarre, but I, might, maybe it's not. Now we hear this rumor all the time about werewolves, and this these legends about werewolves, and the movies about werewolves, and they've really been pumping them out lately. And then we look at we're discovering the lunar Sabbath. I just wondered if there's some kind of connection with uh, uh, mocking, distorting the message, a deliberate kind of like, a, kind of like a, uh, ma- demonizing. That's the better way. Demonizing those in the past who were true followers of uh, Yeshua the Messiah and were worshiping on uh, the lunar Sabbath. Have you thought about that? Is There's a connection?
7: Um No, I haven't, but I'll, I'm going to share two things real quick, and then I'll comment on, on what you said. Okay. Um, one is from Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 43. It says, And then the moon, ever punctual to mark the times, an everlasting sign. It is the moon that signals the feast, a luminary that wanes after being full. The month derives its name from hers. She waxes wonderfully in her phases, banner of the hosts on high, shining in the vault of heaven. And then um, you were talking about when you had read that thing about the Jesuits, and it made me think of a passage in, you know, about them multiplying war uh-huh. on, on humanity. Yep. Well, there's this um, there's this one particular passage in the first book of Adam and Eve in chapter 57 on the fall of Satan where where he says this to them because it lines up with what you said and then Satan answered and said to him it is I who hid myself within the serpent and who spoke to Eve and who enticed her until she obeyed my command I am he who sent her using my deceitful speech to deceive you until you both ate of the fruit of the tree and abandoned the command of God. But when Adam heard these words from him, he said to him, Can you make me a garden that God made for me, or can you clothe me in the same bright nature in which God had clothed me? Where is the divine nature you promised to give me? Where is that slick speech of yours that you had with us at first when we were in the garden? And then Satan said to Adam, Do you think that when I have promised one something that I would actually deliver it to him or fulfill my words? Of course not, for I myself have never even um, thought of attaining what I promised. Therefore, I fell, and I made you fall by that for which I myself fell, and with you also. Whosoever accepts my counsel fall thereby. But now, O Adam, because you fell, you are under my rule, and I am king over you, because you have obeyed me and have transgressed against your God. Neither will there be any deliverance from my hands until the day promised you by your God. And he said, because we do not know the day agreed on with you by your God, nor the hour in which you shall be delivered, for that reason, we will multiply war and murder on you and your descendants after you. This is our will and of our good pleasure, that we may not leave one of the sons of men to inherit our orders in heaven.
5: Wow. Wow. That's heavy stuff right there when you think about it. It explains everything. <laughs> I mean, that's the real... Oh, yeah. The real intent in all of this stuff is, well, you know, why is all this happening? And it's, and the days that keep as many of us from returning to God.
7: To our it, first estate, yeah.
5: Yeah. And they, you know, so it's it basically this whole thing about us.
7: <clears throat> yeah.
5: All
7: right. And what was the thing that you had asked, asked me before I read those quotes?
5: Well, no. I just this whole demonization of people who keep the lunar cycle oh, well, and the connection with like the werewolves. Just yeah.
7: Okay, I was gonna answer that. Yeah, the lycanthropy and also um, the vampirism. Yeah. Those two things. The reason we have the mythology surrounding these particular um, transformations, as far as these hybrid states of being um, is because when you really study Satanism and Luciferianism, those that dedicate themselves to these black arts, to these occult sciences, and that um, give of themselves 100% to the abomination of the way that they have to be in order to follow these paths, what you find is that at the very top um, of these studies and of this uh, religion, you have indoctrinations, rituals, and initiations whereby those uh, warlocks or sorcerers or witches, they actually open themselves up to possession and they give themselves over... To these fallen angel beings, the rebel angels that were cast out, the giants that when they died in the flood of Noah's day, they had no place to go as far as any kind of eternal inheritance or or salvation in any any way because they were not born uh, of the sons of men and not being born of woman. Um, being hybrid and being demons, they uh, wander. They are left here to wander. And they seek out soul to possess. They seek out body to inhabit. And so these particular black, um, these warlocks and those that, you know, are involved in high occultism, such as Alice Crowley, when you really achieve high levels and and reach a high degree in these particular black arts you become married with these fallen angels and when you do then those that um are involved they <clears throat> they then can go uh, one of these two paths either that of lycanthropy or that of vampirism and then they actually be they desire and um, have a need to consume blood and to cannibalize human flesh. And that's why this is involved, you know, like the, the vampire the, will bite the juggler in order to drink the blood and the werewolf that ravages their victim and consumes their blood and eats their flesh, uh, just like with Malachi, what I read in chapter 3. And so this is, this is part of their religion. And the rebel angels, the, even the giants, these fallen angels, they hunger for blood. They hunger for human flesh. They, and they need it to feed, just like with Satan when he was sentenced in Genesis chapter 3, and he was condemned to eat the dust of the earth. Well, the dust is what the
6: uh,
7: our bodies are made of. Our bodies, being mar- our spirits being married to the flesh, it's our flesh that is made of the dust of the earth. And so that's what that particular passage means, is that um, they would seek after Satan and the rebel angels and those that follow in allegiance to bloodlines, which are dedicated to worship of them, they would seek out um, to consume blood. And that's also one of the reasons why the Most High condemned it in not only the book of Jubilees, but in Genesis and why he shared covenant with Noah that they are not to consume blood, even when he gave them, you know, the power and the authority to eat flesh, that they could do so as long as there was no blood within it. And so the whole thing with the werewolves giving themselves and, you know, being connected to the phases of the moon. Uh, vampirism is the same way. Um, and, and their need to feed, uh, it comes on them it consumes them. And, um, that's why they do what they do and are involved in, in that way and that kind of thing.
5: Yeah, it's, it's so, it's, it's bizarre. <laughs> and it's, so. Uh like you're saying it seems to be the more i do research on this the more it seems to be the case there's people out there they do a very good job of hiding who they are um you hear rumors about it i mean alistair crowley certainly he didn't hide that he bragged about it um,
7: right and so pedophilia is another thing out there involved involved mean.
5: yeah which is another thing I, yeah i've just researched about that um and, of course, there's the, the famous case that's on, online, what is it, the um, Search the Sea, the Campton, the Camptons or the Campton case, the captain's kids. I'm not saying it right, whatever it is, there's two children that were raised in uh, a Luciferian, satanic family, and were uh, used as, basically,
7: sex toys,
5: and talked about it. I don't know if you saw that, but it talked about it, so it was very disturbing, so.
7: But um, I didn't. But it, you know, it also reminds me of the the Franklin cover up. Exactly. And then, they, yeah. And then I guess uh, that,
5: with with yeah. Hunter, uh, uh, Hunter Thompson, is that it is, yeah, he the famous author. Right. And it's been he was influenced mm-hmm. a lot of these guys like. Uh, Johnny Depp and everything and you know, I guess he was really big into that uh, the pedophile thing and the uh, satanic ritual stuff and all that and look how weird he is right. you know, I think that's that's one way of de- uh, detecting these people who are I guess you know the <clears throat> the, the least demon possessed uh, you just uh, watch an interview of of um, Thompson or Johnny Depp I hate to say that I know this sounds very judgmental but it's either a lot of heavy drugs, or there's something else inside him. You know what I mean? And uh, just it does. Because, yeah, probably. So you know, that's the, But that's going to lead to a question from your research, because you've done a lot of research on this, more, more than most. How do we tell who are the the tares? How do we tell who are the ones that are Satan's children? So, for instance, if we were to run across one. Of course, you and I kind of have maybe, you know, limited social life as far as what maybe we used to be as young men. Um, But uh, I guess the question would be, and surely you must have thought of this, if I were to run across somebody who was um, one of Satan's children, how would I know without seeing them in an act or, you know what I mean?
7: Well, you wouldn't, because they look exactly like us, just like in the parable of the sower. Let both grow up together until the time of the end. And, you know, and just like with the the tares, they look exactly like the wheat until the harvest.
4: Yeah, I hear that.
7: And you cannot tell the difference until the wheat bow because of the bounty uh, and the the terrors, they stand straight up uh, as if they are haughty and proud. And it's going to be the same thing at the time of the end um, with the, the separation. And so you can't tell uh, unless you know them and know them by their deeds and by their actions and by their behaviors. Um, sometimes it's obvious because you get a feeling or you can see that people are absolutely evil sometimes you can even smell the evil um exuding from people but a lot of times you you can't tell because they look exactly like the sons of adam and it's only um, by their actions you know them by their fruit and so uh, if you really get to know people uh, you learn their behaviors because most people they Put a front, they put up a front initially, and so you only know um you know you only know their mask initially, or sometimes people have several masks in several fronts, and you have to be around them enough to where you actually see them for who they really are, otherwise you you don't know. Well, I just, one of the things that
5: I think about, too, is I look at my own personal experience, my own journey. And I'm a type of guy that I've always wanted to belong. And since I've come to the Lord and surrendered to him, it's been anything but. There's, You know what I mean? In other words, I've not been able to find the group or anything. I've had no church. The more and more of my research and all that, I'm just like, my goodness, is this why God tells us to come out of her, my people, because the terrors are so much involved, so much at control, the reign of uh, the body of Christ, if you at this point. is so corrupted that uh, it seems like – because I look at a guy like you. I mean, you uh, would not fit in in mainstream Christianity anywhere. You know that, right? Mm-hmm.
7: Oh, yeah, you're not telling me nothing on that. Yeah. And that's why I have come out over my people. Um, because even people that are very well-researched, my um, the revelations that I share and that I write about are so heavy that even it's difficult for them, you know, even to accept and to uh, open themselves to the possibilities of my work. And for those that... Don't even read their Bibles, oh, my gosh, they absolutely think I'm nuts. I mean, they look at me like I have two heads, you know, and so um so yeah, no i don't I don't go to the mainstream churches, and I'm not very much involved with um the regular populace and other than you know just the um the my daily interactions with the things that I do. But as far as uh, going to church or being involved in that way with other groups of people, um, I'm not able to share the things that I've written about and the things that I've come to know. Uh, because as I said, any one of the revelations, the as far as the preexistence, existence the predestination, our, the loss of our first estate, uh, Lucifer being the father of Cain, um, and also now the flat Earth. I mean, <laughs> for most people, those are three heavy strikes oh, against me, which put the lunar verify sabbath. that I'm don't, absolutely don't, lunatic. You know.
5: Don't forget the the lunar sabbath. I mean, you've really
4: <laughs> uh,
7: <laughs> you've yeah, really put. Right? Your,
5: uh, but you know, I I think that's the only way to go. I, a year ago, I probably would have been that that person. In fact, I know I would have been that you were talking about. That would not be receptive to you. But I think I uh, I, I, I can only one thing that I can say is it's not because of me, and it's uh, all because of the circumstances that God has put me in to put me in a position to um, be to be humble enough. Excuse me. I got to pause here i got a frog in my throat. Oh, my goodness. To be humble enough to uh, actually listen to a guy like you. If it was like a year ago, I think I would still be under um, a lot of the influence of uh, other people who have told Mm -hmm. me to stay away from a guy like you. Also, there's another thing I noticed, too, about what you're talking about, the experience. A lot of people in, in, in the uh, organized Christianity, doesn't matter if it's the, uh, <clears throat> what it is, it doesn't really matter what group it is, there's no point of pointing out anyone, it, the, the social pressure, and what many people do, I look at my own past and I look at the people around me, <clears throat> They they just regurgitate what others around them say in order to right. stay, stay in good standing with them instead of really searching God. I can honestly say for the past 10, when I was a New new Ager, and you know what I'm saying here, that I was searching God. I was searching for God. I believed in God, and I was hoping, and and I wanted God. And he put me in a situation I was so ignorant then, just a few years ago. I had no, I mean, this is so, uh, the degree of development that I have today compared to, just a few years ago i mean, I had no idea about anything none of this stuff i was just a guy a guy of the world that was a uh, you know a womanizer and a musician and an artist and It was all about me you know you could just hear what i just said it was all about me you know what I mean? and god has really put me in a position where i really could even be uh able to receive you and i and i just think to myself well uh, how far gone was I? I have, it must have been really bad, and it must have, I must—I must still have so much more to go. But uh, you know, you're doing all this stuff, and, and I don't want to like—you know—it's not about—you know—feeding your ego here. I, I recognize that God has been working with you and allowing you to learn these things that most people are not willing to do. Somebody had to do it. Why? Why does Zen? Why does Zen Garcia study this? Uh, you know the, the all these different extra books that we've been told all our, our lives not to, and come to all these amazing conclusions that con that contradict the main body of, of Christendom. Have you ever thought about that?
7: Well, the accepted beliefs, uh, but it doesn't contradict the Bible at all. It actually affirms and uh, add, um, adds extra detail to what is already there found in the scriptures. Because I use the canon as foundation, um, and you know anything that contradicts it, um, I always stand first and foremost with with the gospel as far as the the canon. But the things that I've learned with all these other extra biblical texts and extra canonical texts have only increased the detail and helped me to understand the the what has always been there. Um, And as far as why, uh, because, again, it goes to my disability in that I have the time. I don't have to, like you said earlier, I don't have to go out and have a nine-to-five job to where I'm working uh, for somebody else. I work for myself. I'm an author. I'm a writer. I do radio programs, and I serve the most times, my whole focus for every part and aspect of my life is to seek the kingdom and to serve God. Um, and I've shaped and molded my life into that kind of reflection and that kind of purpose and fulfilling my true role and reason for being here on the plane. And so that's what I do. And I try to help others to come to the same remembrance and to achieve the same kind of goal and direction for their life. Because it's my opinion that once you place the kingdom as your focus and prioritize it in that way, everything else will take care of itself. Just as it says in Matthew chapter six, that when you make the kingdom your focus, everything else will take care of itself. God will take care of it and create a way, and my life is an example of that. Uh, and I tell people that, you know, um, just like with meditation and prayer, those are not things that we do. Even most people, most people think those are just behaviors and things that you do every once in a while. I have come to learn that those things are a way of being and that we are to live prayer and to be prayer not just do it once in seven days or even once a day but that the true purpose of church even and the true purpose of prayer and of being in harmony with the most high and his creation is to understand that prayer is every moment of every day and that when you can achieve that state of mind and that way of being then you are always in prayer, and your life is prayer. And when you can reach that kind of, um, that kind of focus and that kind of uh, example, just like with Christ, then you are a living church. You are a temple of God, and the Most High dwells within you because um, be thou holy as I am holy. And when you can achieve that and reach that kind of state of being, well, then the Most High dwells within you, and you and He are one, just as Christ and the Father were one. And so, in my opinion, you know, as I said, I've learned uh, that prayer and meditation and church are not things we do and that church is not a building we go to, but it's a a way of being. It's a state of being. It's um, it's an achievement, just like with Buddha when he said nirvana, and living nirvana. It's it's that kind of euphoric state and um that's that's where I am now. So I if... Oh, I wanna share one other thing with you okay. real quick as well. Okay. Um the your listening audience they don't know that I'm also a poet and that um that's one of the ways that I share my truth. And so this is a poem that I wrote on what you had asked me about it says this what if we all we thought what if all we thought we knew of truth was sequestered upon lies and carefully manufactured science and craftily complicated algorithms meant undecipherable comfortable in deceit and the convenience of routine most reject truth even when confronted by it people do not like being told that they have been bamboozled, especially by those systems or peoples they have invested trust within. Few will latch on to anything that challenges or contradicts foundational belief, choosing to cling to false illusion, so long as either its majority opinion or someone they admire perpetuates lie. Fewer are even willing to embrace change, and having no real concern for truth, will not put forth the least bit of effort to its discovery. Most have tendency to lash out immediately against anything or anyone that challenges what they think they already know. Many disregard truth as meaningless until it affects them directly, and even then it is monumental task to change mindset, to embrace a new perspective. The seeker of lost paradise may seem a fool to those whom have never sought the other worlds.
5: I like that poem. You've read that poem uh, before in front of your shows, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, sure.
7: All of uh, the radio programs that I do... I open with a poem,
5: but this is your newer one that you're using, right? This is after. Right? Yeah. yeah, this is. It, this is. Uh, hopefully, are we gonna are we gonna actually because tonight are we still gonna be able to do Tuesday? Are you gonna be able to do that? Cause yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Because uh, you know, I want to talk a little bit more in detail about your journey this past year and learn more about your understandings and all that, and about, of course, time, and, and, you know, a lot of the things we've been talking about now, but uh, one of the things that I, that I find fascinating in your position is the fact that you had, you know, just a year ago you saw the cosmology a different way, that that reflected a lot of your your writings and your programs and all that, and how is that going to change you? Because... Uh, you know, as you're talking about in your, your poem, there is one of those things when you come to confront front truth and you realize that you've, uh, you know, we're all guilty of this uh, from believing in things that weren't real and and promoting it. Mm-hmm. And you are like, you have to deal with that and be man enough to deal with it. I have, all I can say is that the Spirit of God must be in you because for you to be willing to do that, most men will not do that. Most men I know, most people I know, will not omit such error. They just won't do it. They're programmed not to do it. They will just bury it, deny it, move on, suppress it instead of, uh, I don't know, you ever feel like sometimes because you do your show and your writing is this way of like, uh, relief, a way of... Uh, letting go of garbage by just being willing to talk, even if it's just people in a chat room, you know what I mean? I mean, You're just talking to the screen. I mean, is mm-hmm. it, you find some kind of, like, great relief from it? Because I know I do.
7: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, And even if the listening audience weren't there, you know, when I first started my shows, I didn't have listeners. And, um, you know, it wasn't until they discovered who I was and, what I was covering and topics that, you know, they began to listen to me and to learn from me. But just like with um, writing, when I sit down outside and I'm in the sunshine and there's a nice breeze and I'm listening to the <clears throat> the birds and looking at the flowers and the grass grow and uh, just the regular... A day going by you know children at play they're coming and going as far as school and people going to and from work the just the day going by and like a soft parade um i i write a, and i reflect on all of that and my place and part within it my connection to it and also with god and writing and doing radio shows those are a means a platform a way for me to connect to not only the most I but also my connection to the to the creation and to an introspect in way that allows me to explore my own um my own as far as coming my journey and as far as my walk with god and coming to understand the revelation even you know with this as far as the flat earth and this connection to the ancient Hebrew calendar and the um, the Sabbath, all those things. I mean, the huge revelations, you know, those things that, these are complete paradigm shifts as far as yeah. worldview. Yeah, instead of turning your world upside down, it makes your world flat, <laughs> you know, and so... And it but it's completely i mean as far as destroying the darwinian heliocentric world view it connects to so much that i am still processing you know i'm still coming to understanding and still deliberating upon the massiveness of this conspiracy and how it was that they were able to perpetuate it and to um to, to basically uh, contrive it and force its indoctrination upon people just and even with the calendar, yeah and you know these idolatrous pagan feast days that we celebrate or most of the pagan world celebrates um, with Christmas and Easter and things like that, um, Groundhog Day I mean just the, even the littlest. Um, these holidays, when you look at their roots, most of them are pagan in one way or the other. And so when you come to understanding and process how massive the conspiracy is and how it's connected to, you know, these things are still taught in the educational systems at all levels, you know, elementary schools, junior high, high school, at the college level, all these things are perpetuated and people are indoctrinated in such way that they never even question the relevancy of what they have been taught as foundational truth. And this, you know, as far as our worldview, who we are, where we think we are, uh, as far as on the earth and, and uh, within the universe, Uh, because most people still believe that there are millions of Earths out there, billions even, and that every one of the stars is a sun, and that uh, each one of them have planetary systems, which also have um, planets that are in the Goldilocks zone, and that also perpetuate life, and that had to have evolved life uh, because of similar circumstances. so... All these lies, built upon lies, built upon lies. And this one revelation destroys all of that and forces people to concede. Even the most hardcore militant atheists are now, when they are confronted with the revelation and the truth of the flat earth, and that we are the only game in town, and that this is it, this is where it's at. Um, they're forced to reevaluate intelligence design in a grand arbiter and a mastermind as far as a creator. And they are forced to concede that there has to be a God and that the Bible, uh, because it has all this encoded within it, Um, and is contrary to the whole scientific Darwinian heliocentric uh, lie that has been contrived all these hundreds of years. Uh, When you understand that these truths are, in fact, prophetically encoded into the Word, and not just the King James Version of the Canon, but as I show in my ninth book, the Book of Enoch has this also encoded within it. Um, then people are forced to reassess and to realign with the divinely inspired nature of the gospel and its prophetic validity, um, and that it had to have been uh, perpetuated and brought together and inspired as far as the prophets by the Most High God who uh, created us and also created the earth as place of inhabitation for us.
5: Very cool. Hey, uh, did you? Uh, I just sent you a couple emails. Do you know Jeffrey Grupp?
7: No. Well,
5: ch- check out his stuff. He's a new follower of the way the truth and life is. A new follower of Jesus Christ. He's one of us for a long time and uh he just this year he turned to the lord he's done a lot of good work on the flat earth and he uh let's see who was he? <clears throat> just give a look at his bio here real fast um i said this is a website he says he's here i'm a retired professional Philosopher and university lecturer on philosophy. I'm also an author, an amateur poet, an amateur painter, sculptor, a musician, he has, and an amateur anthropologist specializing in the study of uh, Aboriginal groups and shamanism politically. I am, um, I this is Thorivian slash Priminus. Um, religiously I'm a Christian and I live in Michigan anyways he's done really some good work on the flat earth <clears throat> and uh, I've just found some suggestions since you've given me something more than you actually realized you've knocked me out of my usual pattern you know here I'm supposed to be it's the Sabbath and I'm supposed to be focusing on the Lord and I was focusing on uh, witchcraft and the papacy. I was so God obviously had you reach out to me tonight to get me out of the the mode that I was in. So maybe this might be a gift mm-hmm. back to you. Um, I think you gentlemen might have an interesting conversations. And besides, he's a new Christian, and it, may, it might just be somebody, because he's he's had a lot of, he um, used to be a new ager and all that kind of stuff, and uh, he even had his own show about it. So and uh, I don't know. No, for some, of- yeah, I think you guys... Um, I can see you guys doing some wonderful shows on your show I know once in a while well, if you interview folks, and he might just be something of interest so and i I know he he's like he was on the show with Mark Sargent uh last Thursday. I don't know Mark Sargent uh, the next day went into the hospital and had his appendix taken out so did Mark then yeah, he did, so really, oh wow. So uh but anyways, uh uh, uh yeah, his parents to him and his family and his loved ones, but uh then uh Jeffrey started talking, you know, i kept on saying, I'm a Christian now, I'm a Christian now and he says this is what's a Christian and this this is the flat earth so that's really true the Bible and <laughs> I think you know, you and, know, and and Mark used to be a Christian. He used to was he raised in an uh, evangelical home. But no longer, obviously, is interested in that. And who knows? Maybe God will. You know, a lot of times these things. God works in a mysterious place, that's for sure. So maybe that will be something. But I guess my point in all that was is that he, he can, you can, I can tell that Jeffrey's hungry. And I as like uh, as I emailed him, uh, I think it was yesterday. I said, "Listen, I'm a Christian too. Don't forget, and we can talk about Christ all day long on our show whenever we do it. We're supposed to do some show this week." this month sometime. So we're going to talk about Christ more than <laughs> you imagine. So I think it might be interesting in seeing the two, you, two, hearing the two talk, your perspective along with his, I think there will be some immense growth um, for us, at least those of us listening. And, and oh, by the way, Chris Tyrebed said hello tonight, by the way. He said he wished he could have joined us. All today. right. Then. But he said he's busy with his family. And um, I don't know. I, it was a I, Maybe this week, uh, of all people, Chris Tireman, I think I told you this, and uh, and Mark Sargent might have a debate on my show about whatever, so it
7: should be interesting. Really? Yeah. That would be really interesting.
5: That would be very interesting.
7: So. Yeah, that would be really cool. Uh, I'd be, if you talk to Brad sometime, I'd be interested in uh, doing a show with him on your program, if, uh, if he's so willing.
5: Yeah, what are you doing tomorrow? What you, what's your plans for tomorrow for Sabbath? Because that's one of things we're thinking about talking. I, I can reach out to him or...
7: Um Oh yeah, you're doing a show with him tomorrow. Well, uh, I can I've do been, that. I,
5: I haven't got we haven't got back yet, but he, you know it's a Sabbath, so I was thinking you know just to have us to get together. Yeah,
7: anything. that would be a wonderful way to to honor Sabbath.
5: Yeah. yeah, I would be down for that.
7: So just let me know.
5: I can. Um... Well, if you could hold on a second, I'm going to do something. i never done this before until this past week. I reached out to you and Chris about this, uh, about Chris Lucas, you because know, he had all these issues about the Sabbath. And I said, normally I don't reach out, and I'm not this way, I'm not a testy host, you know what I mean? I reach out and that's it, you know what I mean? I do let people alone. But with this Sabbath mm-hmm. thing, it's a big issue to me. It's a huge issue. This is not about Mike Adams. It, it is. is. So...
7: I get questions about it all the time, people asking me to clarify it.
5: So, yeah, uh, you know, if if, uh, Brad can join us, that would be awesome. And that would be really cool. And Chris, too, maybe we could just read scriptures and talk about the Sabbath and how we go about it and understand this lunar calendar, too, because I think that's going to be a big issue. A big, big big issue, I know for me it is, is visualizing, you know, Getting that down, that pattern. I know there's programs out there to tell you that there's a uh, a Sabbath and all that kind of stuff. But and you know when when the, the, the different phases of the moon are. But how to go about that and get disciplined in that. You know what I mean. So a guy mm-hmm. like me, a guy like me. I don't know what you do how, if you just jumped right into it. But I'm going to need a little bit of help. I'm not as smart as you. <laughs> I can't grasp things like that. This, I don't know why it's such a hard thing to comprehend. It's oh, self-evident what that we should do it. But I think it's why well, do know? I know why it's it's a, um, uh, it's a lifetime of um, being indoctrinated and thinking otherwise. You know what I mean? It's hard for me to wrap my brain right. around, or dis- right. discipline myself to do it. So. But, uh, yeah, I just, I just, I'll try to get a hold of Brad. I just called and see it just off chance, but I'll email. Him. We did talk about getting together tomorrow and that would be awesome. So I don't know when, um, uh, when would it be a good time for you? I guess. Or, or uh, just just any time after eight.
4: In, good for me.
5: In the evening.
6: Uh-huh.
5: Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Maybe everybody's done with their family stuff and doing everything else. So,
6: yeah. Let me talk
5: right. about it. So, well, hey man, i Probably should let you go, uh, but I have had what a blessing it is that you showed up tonight. More ways than one. The most important thing I discovered from this, that, you know, looking back at this evening, is that I was focusing on the Jesuits in Rome and how the black magic and all that stuff. and I should have been focusing on God. I got to get myself my 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 straight. Sometimes, like, you know what I mean, you get so wrapped up in it. You know what I mean? Your the right. research and right. oh. And sometimes I wonder, too, if what I'm doing is, you know, it talks about the Bible, or that, you know, we love the darkness more than the light. Am I doing that? Am I doing that to myself? Oh, then one thing I want right. to talk before we go. You know, you're talking about, like, uh, meditating and focusing on God. Now, one thing is, obviously, you know, this whole thing about t- being in continuous prayer. When I think of that, I, don't, I, I think of just having continuous conversation with them. Is that what you're talking about? Like in your head, that are your actions, that you're, ta- you're not—you not only are guiding. He's guiding you in your actions, but you're just talking about. It. You're talking to him, your yeah, internal conversation. Instead of, you know, this is what happens, and maybe if you could uh, think back, maybe you haven't done this in a while, but we have our pretend arguments with other people. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll project our mind mm-hmm. on, you know. Something that somebody said, maybe on a show, or a family, or the neighbor, or somebody, or somebody, an email, and then you focus and mull over that instead of, like, putting your energy and focus and the belief and faith in God that he's there. Kind of walk with him and talk with him. Is that what you're talking about?
7: Well, it, rather than mind, it's heart, if that makes sense. So it's not all the internal dialogue and it's not that you're constantly having to speak with them, even though I pray to him all the time and gratitude. Like every time I drink something or eat something or, you know, it take anything into my body. Um, I always offer and give thanks to the most high God, but it, about heart in that your heart is with God and that you are the temple um, and that you are trying to be the example just as Christ did for us in his lifetime and it's a way of being, it's not just a mind but it's, it's complete on physical emotional, spiritual and mental, all those levels, not just you know intellectual or in a mental kind of capacity but that entails your complete being and that's what I'm talking about with um, because when you have your heart on God and when you love him so much and you dedicate your whole life to him and you seek out in every moment how you can align your will with his will for your life And in that way, you fulfill your sacred vow and also your role and mission for being here. Because that's really what all of us are here to do. And what we are, you know, because again, as Christ said, remember from whence thou art fallen. And so when we do that, when you can achieve that kind of way of being, then you are living prayer. You are church, you're walking church, you are a uh, living prayer, you're a walking church, and you are the example that the Christ and the apostles and other disciples of Christ were for humanity, that we are to be that instead of looking up to another um, for that, and for that example, that we are to be that for everybody else. That's stuff, good stuff, so. Well,
5: Zen, I really appreciate that. I uh, it looks like a, it looks like we're developing a relationship. I like that. Once in a while, I get a guest that uh, they become friends. It sounds like that's what's happening. We got just a very similar journey, yeah. and then um, hopefully it stays that way. Hopefully we don't. I've had some really bad. You probably had this too. it's very yeah, it's, it's, uh,
6: it's
5: very sad and foolish falling outs with people too. Not that I ever wanted it that way, but just based on some, I guess, understandings and belief in the scriptures and how they see things, and i had a, quite a bit of falling out so, with people that I never wanted.
7: Well,
5: yeah. If you, when you talk that?
7: about the things that we've come to know, I mean, it scares people from you, and they, you know, label you crazy automatically, and so yeah.
5: Have you had that experience before where somebody you're kind of really close to and uh in this journey, maybe did shows with and all that kind of stuff and uh and then you start talking about this stuff or you know, the say about the flat earth and about um uh and all this other stuff. Have you, have you had any kind of um major projection?
7: And how did you deal with it? Oh yeah, just most recently one of my best friends who's also a broadcaster and does another um another show and i used to be a guest on his show all the time but um when i told him and i was really excited and i called him up and i and i hadn't shared this with anybody you know like i was hush hush on my work on the flat earth as he to decrypt the book of Enoch, that whole book for a long time but i actually called him up and i shared with him this particular revelation and how the Most High God, had brought me to this understanding and how uh, understanding that the world is flat in a circular plane, that it helps you to make sense of the book on the courses of the heavenly luminaries in the book of Enoch. Um, He just totally thought I was nuts, and he did not want to hear anything that I was saying. And to this day, he and I have not uh, any longer talked um you know we used to be really good friends we talked uh at, like at least once a month um uh, about all the revelations cuz you know he's come to knowledge on several things that I've also been led to revelation on and we were confirming witness for each other um and we did many radio shows where we blessed other people's lives but when i shared this with him he just um he You know, basically, thought I was nuts and cut me off, and uh, we're no longer friends. So, uh,
5: do you mind telling us, in general, what he said that made made him? You know, what was it that he thought? Yeah, what what was so nuts about the fact that uh, our Earth is flat? (laughs) (laughs)
7: Well, he he said that um, he basically said, "Oh, I'm a science guy and I believe uh, NASA, and I don't think that they." lied and all the images that they've shared with us, you know, that all of that is truthful. And, of course, when you look at the videos and stuff that have been put up by them, uh, you know, they basically have lied to us and um, and have uh, tried to hoax us about the shape of the earth. Uh, There's the video, um, a funny thing happened on the way to the moon where that guy, uh, shows that the Apollo 11, the astronauts, they fabricated uh, the sphericity of the Earth. and But he doesn't want to hear anything of it. And even like I tried to share with him how uh, I've got video myself of these supposed live missions, these ISS, you know, videos taken of, of the Earth going by the ISS, or they're doing these spacewalks and then you can see that the earth is being projected on a green screen because it totally disappears and um and, and you know that you know it's completely fabricated it's completely contrived and yet he doesn't want to hear any of these things he totally believes that um also that you know the aliens have come from millions and billions of light years away and that they are all here to um that they have all come here from long distances and that they were involved in you know even the prior times the building of these megalithic structures which I also um you know I teach that as well but I no longer believe that they're from far distances because the stars and the planets, and they're not larger than the Earth, and they're not—they're lights, they're heavenly luminaries. They're not other places of habitation. They're not uh, terraforms like the Earth is, and so all of that has been fabricated. And because we are in an enclosed system, and there's a firmament, a dome fitted to the the foundation of the Earth, uh, nothing can get beyond that boundary there no one can go to outer space and uh the whole thing as far as satellites um, being able to survive in the thermosphere all of that is fabricated the gps system all of that is a ground-based system and so all these things you know he totally believes in them satellite tv and things like that and he thinks i'm nuts for not trusting nasa not believing that we went to the moon and uh you know when they even came out recently about how they can't even get past the van allen radiation belts and their whole project orion which is a you know supposed attempt nasa's attempt to send a a mission to mars and send a human uh to land on mars um they you know all of that they said that and the radiation belts are so deadly and so toxic that they would have to achieve some kind of way to protect the astronauts. Well, they supposedly did this in all of these Apollo missions when they sent them up in basically a a tin can, you know, these aluminum, um, uh, lightweight um, Saturn rockets, and they didn't have to contend with the Van Allen radiation belts then. But all of a sudden, they're worried about these things now, Um, and so there's so many things. And when you look at the um, the photos of the lunar missions, and you see that the shadows go in two different directions, and that there it wasn't you know if they were actually on the moon, there would be one light source, the sun, and all the shadows would be parallel. And then you have these photos of them when they are coming out of the lunar module um, and that they, you know, that as far as that they were walking down the ladder and they're in the shadow side and it should be completely dark, but then it's lit up as if it's, you know, it's orchestrated. and um, And then the whole thing with satellites, there's supposedly 20,000 satellites up there. And yet all these lunar missions, no, but they've never had to contend with these, Satellites or any kind of debris. No satellite has ever ran into another one. Um, there's never been a malfunction. All of them are up there in perfect orbits, uh, you know, and nobody considers any kind of, well, where are these 20,000 satellites when you send up a mission to the International Space Station? You know, nobody thinks about their orbits and their trajectory and whether they would impact. Uh, these supposed lunar missions, and uh, so I mean, there's so many questions, and then the lack of evidence as far as uh, photographs of Earth and video of of Earth from space that isn't fabricated or a composite. I mean, those things don't exist, which should be a red flag and let you know that something's not right about what we've been told, and so and then the other side of it, the is that the, all of this is biblical and the the Bible says that the earth is stationary, fixed and immobile and that um and and if you believe in the word then the the word says that the Bible does not I mean the earth does not move and, and that the sun is moving above the earth and that uh the earth in no way orbits around the sun or spins on an axis and so when you really do your research and look into it, the scientific evidence verifies that there is no movement to the earth and that there is no measurable curvature. And these are things which he does not want to hear, absolutely denies. And, you know, again, he trusts the scientists, uh, Kepler, um, uh, Copernicus, and all these Masons, these Freemasons that have contrived uh, because this is all part of, you know, Lucifer exalting himself above the stars of God and seating himself on the throne of the Most High, um, because it's the sun which has now replaced the earth as the preeminent, um, the focus of the solar system. And supposedly the sun has ninety-nine point eight six. Percent of all the of the mass of the solar system, when it in no way is 93 million miles away, and it in no way, um, it, it has the Earth orbiting around it. And so, these are things which, when you look into them, are undeniable. But he refuses and rejects, even you know, won't even investigate it. Which it says in the in the word that. It's the glory of God to hide a matter and the glory of kings to seek it out. But, uh, and it also says, you know, talks about how not to judge before investigating a, a topic, but, um, you know, people pick and choose when it comes to um, supporting their own viewpoints and their belief systems. I
5: think it's, it's, it's all about idol worship false idols. I really feel mm-hmm. strongly that my journey has been a big time a part of it. It's been to destroy all these idols. The idolatry of uh, NASA, the idolatry of government, the idolatry of man-made religion, the idolatry of all sorts of things. And, yeah, um, you know, right. as, you know if, I, I just sent to you, have you watched uh, 1997 James Collier's video? Was it a, was it only a paper moon? No, I have not. This is fascinating. You want to watch this? This guy did some great work. It not only did we not go to the moon and couldn't get past all that stuff, he does research on the uh, the nuclear, the lunar module and you can't even get mm-hmm. two you can't even get two guys in it. With their spaces and everything. Uh,
7: It's awful. Yeah. And supposedly, (laughs)
5: you
7: know, they had a rover. Where did they have this lunar rover? How did it just all of a sudden pop out and they were able to drive around on the surface of Mars? And then also the the supposed golf club and golf. I mean, it's just, it's such a fabrication and um, how people believe in it.
5: They said it was mounted on, on the outside of it of the lunar module. Right. And I'm just thinking to myself, sure. uh, yeah. and others too, who pointed out that th- th- that this, th- it would throw off everything. They have something like that. And right. like that was such yeah, sure. an, an amazing technological feat. You think that they were the first thing they would do since they filmed everything else, supposedly they would have filmed that thing that that the rover, the, uh, the little dune buggy, you know, coming off that lunar module. Don't you think?
7: Right, right. <laughs> But no, yeah. They never had one problem, not one technical difficulty. Yeah, mm. I mean, it's it's, <laughs> it's it's a total farce.
5: Well, you know, I have to say one thing, Zen. I had never thought that I would find a brother in Christ that also saw the world the way I do. Everything you just said, I agreed with everything. <laughs> I thought I was going to spend my life. <laughs> that with never finding a person that is actually agreed with anything. Although I'm, I'm starting to find a few, and even some of the old folks are starting to come in. Mm-hmm. But uh, right. I, I agree with everything you just said, man. Everything you just said, I'm like, I, I was almost in tears. I was thinking really? it, it's the guy that, really? Well, I,
7: you've done the research and anybody that truly does the research and does the investigation with open mind, I mean, truth is truth. And so you would come to the same conclusion.
5: Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. And 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 Yeshua the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and life. Absolutely. <laughs> but my, right. my faith and anchor in him, at times when I waver, there's times when I get challenged. I've had some heavy challenges, but I always bounce back and go, you know what, there's no way it can't be true. There's no way you cannot be true. Or, and uh, first of all, there's no other. it's all a dead end without you. And it's all you know I think a lot of us have to hit that that mm-hmm. dead end, you know what I mean, whether it's our health issues or things happen in our life, big things happen in our life uh, seeming tragedies, earthly tragedies uh, that force us, right. uh, that t- send us in a different direction um i think uh whatever it takes, you know i mean i but I, you know what everything you just said you know and it i i underst- this is all part of this uh. I think this grand deception is so huge that we just, just think I think we're probably just scratching the surface, don't you think?
7: <laughs> yeah, it seems that way cuz I never expected that you know the, as, as big a conspiracy as this could be perpetuated on all of humanity in the way that it has. So yeah, I'm I'm totally open-minded to uh, anything now. I mean, you Lee, but, um, well, but I we know what's coming. The whole ancient alien lie is during the next one to fall.
5: Yeah. What do you think that's going to be? Uh, what, how do you think that's going to fall? I mean, I know I've done my study about project blue beam and all that kind of stuff, but I just wonder what you think. Maybe we're all, we, we're all just speculating this part, how they're going to make it all happen. But I know, uh, von Braun he said that right to his secretary that the the final phase will be this uh false alien invasion but uh, I wonder how they're going to go about that I wonder if it's just going to I mean some people say that uh it will be these fallen angels in basically uh meat suits right kind of thing uh made out of human flesh type of thing what do you think
7: I I think that they're already in the process of indoctrinating that with the whole ancient aliens which is like the number one show on the History Channel and it is contriving this whole belief system establishing the premise for the strong delusion uh, setting up that the ancient aliens are our creators and that they are coming back the whole new age belief system that they're going to come back and save us, that they're the Saviors of humanity, which is going to establish the reign of the Antichrist. So, all of that is in play.
5: Yeah. Have you looked a little look as well? And you know, we talked about NASA, but I, I'm discovering that all the all the space, as you see, are are all connected. They all use like this symbol, it's some people call it the vector. A lot of people feel it's the, it's the Satan. It's the loose. It's the snake's tongue that they're using. If mm-hmm. you notice that too, how their symbology and everything. It's,
6: yeah. You
5: know, so that makes yeah. it a big, big red, you get the big red flag. You know, I wonder sometimes, you know, you look at, because God is the creator of life. He's, you know, everything that's living and wonderful and amazing. And you brought that up and that, that reading about, you know, let's say, you know, champion challenge. that was talking about the, the Kosh saying that uh, he, you went into the serpent, right caused the, fall. Mm-hmm. and then was Adam an was challenging well you know are you can you all you know, the you know the disappointment and the, the lies and the promises they couldn't make, keep I wonder some you know so you have this thing going on, the heliocentric models happening, you got the counter-reformation happening, the Reformation happening, you have all this turmoil going on same time you got this ramping up of like all this luciferianism all these secret societies about. 500 years ago is when it started. Really, it did. All the 500 year mark was a big, you know, the 1600s and the 1500s is a big deal, and then the 1700s as well. Huh? But as time went on, you get all this technological advancement and all these things that we use today that you and I are using. I wonder are these the, the trinkets? the... Uh, the, the promises that only Satan could give, kind of, you know what I mean? Because you can't give, you can't, you can't create real life, you know, a real living, sentient thing with a, you know, a spirit and all that, you know, a real soul and all that, God. So you see this transhumanism, you see this singularity, and it seems to be all leading to this one direction where, and what. As long as they are serving Satan and the satanic system and all these lies, that somehow what his promises—I guess what he promises—is all these basically electronic gadgetry type of things. You know what I mean—the cars and planes and computers. And, uh, have you ever thought of that, or, is, or am I not? Am I going down the wrong path? What do you think? I'm on trail.
7: Well, they, he's counterfeiting as much as he can and he's establishing a replacement to God's divine world. And he's established this um, fake technological technocratic scientific world and it has people caught up. It separates them from God. Uh, look at how many scientists are, you know, totally um, believing that there is no, no grand creator and no need for a grand orbiter and, that things just randomly evolved uh, of chance and came about because of circumstance. So.
5: Yeah. Well, uh, for, uh, for those who will be listening to this, um, and uh, for those who were, um, and you finish it up, I hope you recognize something. Now, how fortunate we are to have Zen on my show and you for us to listen to him and I, you know uh i i've recognized the opportunity i have to actually find someone i can ask questions and uh we're on the same wavelength. <laughs> it's nice and i hope everyone else realized how unfortunate we are because you know how fortunate we are is this you know zen how many years have you been doing been doing this research reading this extra
7: concrete. oh goodness um well, since I was about fourteen years old, but as far as studying all of the you know the canon and the extra biblical extra canonical texts since I was um eighteen and so i'm forty five now so you so you got um,
5: almost three decades of of research here that uh, uh Zen can share with us, and so i got a lot of questions, brother. I do. <laughs> mm-hmm. I hope you're, you're – if you're gay for Tuesday, I'm going to be asking a lot more questions because I find that a lot – you actually know what you're talking about. You know, I, I spend – because of my situation, my health issues, and many times I'm, you know, I really can't – I'm not – it's a weird – MS is a weird disease, so sometimes I can do things, and other things I can't. You know what I mean? One moment I can yeah, do I things. Yeah, I understand that. So I spent a lot of time uh, researching, and one of the things I've been doing too is like trying to find people that actually know what they're talking about. I know that sounds a little judgmental, but you know mm-hmm. what I'm like. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. I mean, you, yeah, you, I do. It's and it's really rare to find. I, mean, it's I agree. Yeah, it is rare. <laughs> and it's a lot of narrowing down. So, if you, uh, if, yeah, so thank you very much for sharing your evening with me thanks for s- snapping out of my uh, uh uh self-absorbed mission of exposing the darkness I should just be following my, my 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 heavenly father my lord savior for a day so thanks i appreciate it.
7: yeah that. you just gotta maintain balance you know you can do the other too but don't lose your focus yeah. It's
5: something I, I I definitely recognize myself I don't have that balance.
7: Yeah. Well it's important to put the kingdom first.
5: This, not as much as i like it, it. I mean, I do have a lot of peas. It's really weird. I more, it, 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 The more and more of the darkness that you see, like you and I were talking about, this is, you know, if you really think about what we've been talking about, about how NASA has faked everything, that all these other space agencies, the governments are lying through their teeth about so much stuff, and you come to realize, you know, it's one thing to say, oh, governments and politicians are a bunch of liars. It's, it's another thing when you actually discover what the lies are and how bad it is and right. to have peace in your heart, to have peace in your heart and be able to say, you know what, I'm all right. Everything's okay. I got, I have my faith in my Lord, Savior Jesus Christ and whatever happens, whatever happens, happens. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's where I am. And, uh, I don't know. It's just one of those weird things where I am, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at the most peace I've ever been in my life. And, Good for you. And, you know, and a lot of, as far as the earthly things go, you know, uh, well, you know, a couple of years ago I was traumatized, you know, about everything, you know, traumatized about everything. I'm, what am I going to do about a job? What am I going to do about finances? What am I going to do about a place to stay? And, you know, you, all these things. See, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. You, you went through it when you were a young man, you know, with acting- all of
7: All of us do. Yeah.
4: And I don't.
5: Fret, I don't fret anymore. I just, I just like it's okay, man. It's okay. It's okay. I have, I have faith in Christ, so it's weird. It's just right. amazing. I think that's an amazing consequence of having, and that's what I've prayed for: the most is mercy and abiding faith in Jesus Christ. Give me a, you know, give me that thing. You know what I mean? And it's yeah. my really soul. So, anyways. Uh we'll talk again uh Tuesday, if, if maybe even tomorrow night. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. Oh yeah, just let me know. I will, man. Thank you for sharing your evening with me. It's really awesome. Thank you.
7: All right. Likewise, same. God All bless.
5: God bless, man. I'll talk
4: to you
7: Good later.
5: Good night. Peace. Peace. All right, folks, that was uh Zan Garcia. And uh we'll be talking more to him. You can find his work. Um, on all sorts of things. You got the
0: his uh, YouTube channel, uh Fallen
5: TV, Fallen Angels TV. He's got and and that's You can find him there. His show. He's got a couple shows, and you can find. I can't remember now. Anyways, you can also find him on Endeavor Freedom. And I think that's where you can also start to find some ideas of where the shows are at. um It does great some great stuff um classic video was awesome and um it has some interesting guests and um yeah. It puts all the pieces together, if you're willing to just accept it. I know one of the things that's been a problem with me, and that's another thing I rejected too a year ago, wasn't it? Not only was it the Sabbath, but also this whole thing about the fallen earth, angel, and it was all a, it was all false doctrines. But you see, I didn't know about the extra-canonical texts and all the different books like uh, Jesser, Jasher. I really didn't know him. or the Enoch book of Enoch, and book of Adam and Eve. You put them all together, you start getting get a clearer picture. And it starts to make much more sense. Oh, I, you know, the tares and the weeds, so. Anyways, God bless, take care. And Andrew, thanks for being one of you who's know, really listening tonight, so. so can do this.